This episode of Cinema Swirl was made possible with the support of our Patreon backers over at patreon.com forward slash cinema swirl. This ain't my first taste of Al Pacino. My first taste was in the Adam Sandler comedy Jack and Jill. We reviewed that film on Cinema Swill, a new show where we take a look at some crap movies. All episodes are available now for $5 backers over at patreon.com forward slash cinema swirl. Right, let's get swirling. Swirl episode knock 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 knocking on episode 44 right I was gonna say who's there at one point because I didn't know what was happening or Skype had gone wrong or something it was hard I had to do all the counting and I'm not even sure that might have been 50 I could have been I'm out by a margin of plus or minus five to ten so right my margin of error has got a margin of error I'm not comfortable right now. It's Cinema Swirl where I, Kevin, explain through the medium of Hollywood movies all of the films to my OTP, Sam. How are you doing? I'm alright, thank you. Hello. Hey, look at you. Barely being able to disguise your abject misery at the prospect of what you've got to do today. No, well, no, let's not say that. Let's just say that I was reliably informed by the Cinema Swirl Discord which you can become a member of if you join the Patreon at any level. But all of the films that I put up for the vote, we're doing a Pacino vote today. Pacino vote! And I went with three Pacino films that I thought were pretty notable Pacino films. We've got The Godfather, we had Scarface, and we had Heat. And can I just add in a little, a little, just a small little, uh, a little Pacino there myself? Yeah, sure. Uh, it, just to Pacino, uh, let it be Pacinoted. Yeah. I thought it was very strange that you picked such long movies. Well, this was the thing. I was informed by the nice folks over on the Discord that all of these films were about three hours long, which I didn't know when I popped oh. them up for the vote. I just went. I I, I pretty much googled what are. Al Pacino's best-known films. Now, Sam, this is whatever, you know, if there's an equivalent on a movie podcast of Mm. having a shellfish allergen and not checking the menu to see if it contains shellfish, this is very much the film podcast equivalent of that. You've got an allergy to a certain length of movie. I don't know about that. I don't know. It might just be that I've not had the right long film. Yeah. Okay, so that could just be the right long movie. I don't want to rule out long films entirely just because I've not got on with some of them. Okay, but we do need to know at this point, disclaimer early in the episode, Mm. that this will have to be new Cinema Swirl (laughs) 2.0! We've made a few changes to accommodate the differing schedules of the two hosts. No, yeah, and they're happening tonight on Cinema Swirl. And also tomorrow night. Uh, tomorrow <laughs> night. Oh, well. No, not for you. If you're listening now. Oh, you don't have to come back tomorrow and listen to the next bit. No, no. Have your night in, like. Listen yeah. to us. Go on about your day. Don't be like, oh, I have to put a day until tomorrow now. No, no, no. That's all right. It's just that if we were to now do this, it would be midnight by around the time yeah. that I came to talk about this movie. Now, I don't know about you, but I've got one or two favorite sleepy swirl moments. Mm. I mean, do you remember any of our particularly sleepiest episodes when we didn't realise early on how long it takes to record an episode I of this podcast. I feel like the good, the, 
bad and the ugly. Total sleepy yeah. swirl. Total <laughs> sleepy swirl. That an alien, because like an alien, I'm like, it's like, let's go do a cinema swirl. And we're back now after that. <laughs> my, my voice is much softer and more and more dialed yeah. back. Like so, yeah, we're avoiding that. You're gonna get fucking peppy swirl right here. Like, not Pepsi swirl. Not to be not, no, 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 not to be confused. This is Peppy Swirl. So, the movie du jour, Sam, it is The Godfather. Which I've heard is the the Godfather of movies. Way! Hey. Oh. oh! Sam, have you heard about this movie before? It's uh, spoken of in almost hushed, revered voices. Yes, I have heard some of those revered voices. Those revered voices have reverberated inside my head when I think about The Godfather. It's got a reputation as possibly being the best film of all time, or many people have made cases for that to be the case. I think on the official list of film, yeah. this is the official list. This is like kept in a locked drawer with two mm. locks in Hollywood. It is number two on that list. Number one is apparently Citizen Kane. Right. And number two is The Godfather, which yeah. we're going to be delving into. So high caliber indeed. This is like mm. one of those in the National Archives considered to be of historic note culturally. At the very least in America, worldwide, you could obviously make a very easy case as well. So, mm. I mean, it's very impressive you managed to hear hushed tones to begin with. Yeah. Good hearing. Someone's eaten his, his carrots. Yeah. So, what do you know about this movie? Okay, so, I know that there's an offer that someone can't refuse. What do you reckon that would be? Loads of money? Give us or, your money or I'll spark you out. Or threat of death, you know? Ooh. Or threat of death to people that you like. Or a threat of death. Think about that. <laughs> You're going to have a whole threat of death. Threat and you won't know it. what to do. Your yeah. credit rating will be rubbish. You'll have... A threat of death. I know there's a horse's head in the bed. How did he get in there? Was he a bit tired? <laughs> Where's the rest of the horse? You know, under the covers? Hopefully. Well, that's the setup. I don't I mean you don't know the punchline yet. That, that's the setup gag. It's like, where's okay. the rest of the horse? Are, are you one of you gangsters playing a trick on me? Hey? Yeah. Also, it's just like a funny like YouTube prank, that scene. I <laughs> it's okay, a prank, cool. bro. Yeah, it's a prank. There's that whole new thing right now where people put uh, the severed heads inside their baby's cots. Yeah. And they're like, what's wrong? It's a prank, bro. The seven you know? head challenge. Yeah, 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 yeah. this is obviously. I mean, aren't you a cool parent? You know? <laughs> I know that. I know. Off you can't refuse. I know that Marlon Brando is in it, and he puts oranges in his mouth. Yeah, so he can um, talk like this. Yeah, I know that. Hey, no one told me you could take the skin off this orange. Does he actually put oranges in his mouth? <laughs> is that part of it? Is there a scene where he's got oranges in his mouth? <laughs> I feel like that's a thing. Or is that yeah, it, a scene from Lost you... with John Locke putting oranges in his mouth? Because that does happen. Yeah, John he Locke, of course, inspired the Francis Ford Coppola no, masterpiece. I think I thought that that was inspired by The Godfather, in which there are some orange segments going in the in the mouth. Or is that just I how was, he I was led to believe that, while it is obviously uh, famously in The Godfather, the, mm. the, the, the orange in the mouth, that I feel that they would have no more claim to that than someone, for instance, taking your nose and right. concealing it from you. I believe that is firmly in the category of old man japes. Which okay. are fair use, and they're a Creative Commons license, free use for everyone, you know? Yeah. Well, I, so I, I don't, I've always I, associated with The Godfather. I, I associate putting oranges in your mouth, or, yeah. like under your, your lip. You, you know? put your orange in there, and then you put it on you rare, go, rare. I'm going to make it off your can of fuse, yeah! <laughs> 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 
that's classic Godfather to me. Other than that, that's quite a lot. In fairness, I know that. I know Al Pacino. I know it's, it's gangster stuff. Gangster stuff. It's gangster stuff. It's the mob. It's the mafia. We talk gangster before here. Mm-hmm. You know, we talking gangster because you and I have a, a mutual love and deep deep obsession with the Sopranos. Hey, yeah. Oh. Oh. Uh, the so- oh. The Sopranos. The Sopranos. Only mm. on Wii U. The Sopranos. They mentioned this movie a few times. Do you remember? Recall oh. that. Just when I thought I was out, they tried to pull me back in. Wait, is that Godfather? It's Godfather 3, unfortunately. 3? Three. 3. Which I've heard is... Oh, I know about the sequels as well. I know that some people argue that 2 is actually better than 1, and no one argues that 3 is better than anything. Yeah, people often say that it's the Godfather 3 of the series, actually. Right. yeah, yeah. Okay. You know, it really, really <laughs> is. It aspires to be a Godfather of the series, but unfortunately there already were two of those, so inevitably... I've heard, like, Godfather Part 2 held up as an example of you can actually do sequels really well. Yeah. And also Godfather Part 3 held up as an example of don't do sequels. <laughs> like... I think it it stands to like the original Star Wars trilogy arc of criticism, which is first order, which is like, wow, oh, this is awesome, super great, it's this cool thing, and it establishes loads of awesome new yeah. cultural norms. Mm. And then when the second one comes out, you kind of it surpasses the first one to the point where the first one is kind of viewed as being like, well, because it doesn't push it the way the second one does, it does so much more. Yeah, it's still good, but begrudgingly we'll admit it's good, but we really like the second one. And then the third one you whinge about, even though it's pretty good, but you're just kind of over it generally. So. Yeah. You know, you, you moan about it a bit. I mean, I've seen all three of these Godfather movies. Yeah. I would be lying if I said that my rich caliber of watching the Godfather movies was like a learned viewing with scholarly friends or whatnot. I got Godfather Black Hand Edition on the Wii. And okay. I played the fuck out of it. I got 100%. Uh, black got Hand all, Edition. The Black Hand Edition, which right. meant that they had added Wii controls, which meant, Ooh. I shit you not, you could grab random people on the street and shake the nunchuck and Wii remote and you would strangle them to death. Oh, nice. You really had to, like, yeah. you know, you really had to get in there. You had to put your thumbs into the nunchuck to really fucking strangle well, them. Well, that's what the Wii was all about. It was. It was the family console. I remember, like, my dad and my mum coming and be like, look, do you want to, like, play this console? Do you want to have a little strangle? And oh come on so it could be video games like, no you, you strangle them for real and then yeah. we'd all like bond as a family mm. like, I remember the first time my dad strangled a guy in Godfather Blackhand Edition it was like a really special moment yeah. as a family <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you had that moment. I'm glad Nintendo made that possible <laughs> after I uh, totally owned and ruled in the Godfather by yeah. great company EA <laughs> Mm. I went out and I bought The Godfather to watch. So you've not seen it before that? No. I I was the only person ever, I think, who was watching The Godfather going, oh, they did that bit differently in the game. (laughs) And that is a lot of it. (laughs) And I'll be honest, having watched the movie, I was like, I am absolutely dazzled. Mm. Dazzled that they managed to get a game out of this. (laughs) How do you feel about... This film is this like a personal favorite, or do you like where where does it rank in your rankings? It's like a family member that you really respect and you've heard really great names about, but mm. you really don't enjoy their company that much. Oh, it is a great movie, and okay. in terms of like if you look at movies before it came out, and not just gangster movies, but especially gangster movies that mm. before it and then what came after it, you don't have Godfather, you don't have you know, you ain't got shit. <laughs> 
you, you ain't got shit, old man. You ain't got the Goodfellas, huh? Yeah. You ain't got Casino. You ain't got basically some of my favorite movies ever. So I have to appreciate it. It's like you ever mm. play like a really oldish, like the first Super Mario Bros. or The Legend of Zelda. Like, yeah, they're fucking incredibly important, majestic games for their time. But good lord, it's not for me anymore. And okay. I honestly, when I watch this, I've only watched it the once. Right. And I was not. I thought it was too long in the tooth. Okay. And it felt like a lot of chat. And while mm. I thought it was very cool, it wasn't my favourite thing ever. But you've grown up a bit since then. I have, yeah. yes. And your tastes have presumably changed somewhat. Yeah, honestly, if someone released a game now on Switch and said I could strangle them with the Joy-Cons, yeah. I think that was in poor taste now. But right. that's because I'm a grown-up, you yeah, know? Yeah. Okay, and, and the reason why we're doing this film is because we want to do a Pacino as well. Al Pacino is in this. I know he's in this. And yeah, he's a big name. My only other experience of watching a Pacino film has been the Adam Sandler vehicle Jack and Jill which we reviewed on Cinema Swill over on Patreon I said that there and I'll say it again mm. uh, my bad I'm sorry that was not like some sort of fun Cinema Swirl prank where it's like oh the first thing he's gonna say like, no that was a legitimate mistake we are sorry <laughs> I'm sorry to you that that is your first exposure. <laughs> this episode in this fight was t- trying to redress that balance and give yeah. me some primo Pacino. I'm just saying, though, somewhere along the way, Sam, I should have been given a bag of crispy M&Ms, I feel. I'm not sure why. I just feel right. I should have eaten some. It only seems fair, like. Shall we, uh, shall we mailbag it? That's, that's mailbag. <laughs> well, that's way too casual. Yeah, it's mailbag. <laughs> I thought we were just going to use that. Yeah, let's use that. <laughs> should, we, should we mailbag it? Mailbag. Yeah, it. It's mailbag. No, <laughs> fucking mailbag. Play, play, play it. Play the. All right. Yo, you're in the mailbag. Uh, guys, hashtag mailbag it. We're in the mailbag. What's happening? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, uh, guys, t- today we're just gonna mailbag it. All right. Sam, how do you mailbag yours? With questions that have come in to cinemaswirl at gmail.com. That's cinemaswirl at mail.bag. Although saying that, both of these questions have come in from our social media channels. <laughs> so For fuck's sake. But if you've got questions, you can send them I in. I remember to- in the old days mm. now, and a nice young man and a nice young woman, she'd Type out a nice email for us, and we'd mm. send that. And I know it doesn't mean much to you now with your social media channels, but back in them days, an email actually meant a lot, and yeah. it was a thought you had to put in to do an email, and you had to write out the address, and you had to mm. send it off there now. And now all of our listeners are like scribbling their questions on their genitals and Snapchatting that to us. And I, you know, you know, it uh, makes me reminisce about a simpler time. A simpler time, mm. Sam. Seems like we're just some email guys living in a social media <laughs> channel world. <laughs> so, with that in mind, our first question came in via Twitter. And this question is from the What's Your Favourite podcast account so the name of the podcast is not what's your favorite podcast it is what's your favorite podcast they have and kevin has appeared on that by the way if you want to check out that i got to talk all about my favorite things it was a lot of fun surprisingly talking about my favorite things for ages was really fun yeah um (laughs) so what's your favorite podcast asks if you could choose a video game to be adapted into a film which would it be oh now I know your answer is going to be the godfather the video game for the Wii but that's happened that's already happened I want an authentic one because they couldn't get the rights to Al Pacino's face in it because Al Pacino <laughs> had he did, seriously this I'm not making this up Adam Sandler could get Pacino 
<laughs> but, the EA but the Black Hand Edition got into like, yeah, EA, uh, fix Mass Effect Andromeda. They can't even get Pacino for fun. <laughs> what do you think they're going to do? Hire someone who'll do the job? No way. So, yeah, I, I would like a faithful recreation of that because they didn't have Pacino, right? Pacino was doing Scarface, the video game, where he lent his likeness. And whoa, he whoa, couldn't whoa. do... What's this fucking double standard where he does... So he did Scarface, but not... He did Scarface. Scarface. He lent his likeness for that. He tried to do the voice, but he couldn't do the old Scarface voice anymore. Because right. he became the old Pacino voice like this. I don't talk anymore with the high pitched voice. You know, he couldn't do that anymore. So he had to get an impersonator. But his likeness was exclusive to Scarface, which meant then in in the Godfather game, I want the whole game thinking, oh, it's just some lad here. Like, Hmm. hang on a minute, he's pulling the strings. Right. (laughs) And it was just this generic character model that replaced him effortlessly. So I would like to cast whoever was the base model for the fake Pacino in Godfather on the Wii. And I want to have that remade into a game right sorry into a movie into a, into movie. a movie make the yeah the- <laughs> make right. the game of the movie the movie of the game that's okay. what i want i want to fuck you know what sam as so solid crew said i want to flip reverse it yeah i want to do a straight on flip reverse Okay, and I don't say that lightly. Well, you only had twenty-one seconds to answer that question, and you've gone a bit over. If uh, to be honest, yeah, no, exactly. So twenty-one seconds, tut 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 tut, because that was not okay. My joke answer to that question is Skate Three, the movie. My serious answer to that question is. I don't know if adapting video games into movies is always going to be a good idea because those stories are so built around gameplay and playing a game, right? That's why we get the Super Mario Brothers movie. Yeah, and it doesn't work. But what I would say is give some of the people behind cool video game stories and characters the opportunity to make movies. Like Hideo Kojima obviously wants to make a fucking film. Right? Clearly. Yeah. Just no, will anyone take the hint? Let like? him make a film. Give him a budget and let him make a film. No, I will just continue to make games that blur the lines between film and games <laughs> until I can say I kinda have made a film like. Yeah. By blur the lines, it's like move the slider all the way over to film so that occasionally you'll just press X, but really it's just a, a big <laughs> film. What about a film that you could like save at intermittent points like that? You know, I'd like that. Yeah, you know, nice. Stop a movie, I can save my progress. Like, or... You can pause films. And then, oh yeah, yeah, you can now. Which, in a way, is saving them. It is pretty much. Yeah. And resume play that also. Yeah, yeah, that too. Like the Toby Fox, he made Undertale. Give him some animators and a budget. Let him go wild. See what happens. That would be fun. And like an animated film. Or people who've made like point and click adventure games. See, I think you're putting too much faith into transferable skills because I think you'll have the same issue there when they go to big Hollywood directors and go, well, you're amazing. Why don't you make a game? Mm. And those, Peter Jackson's King Kong, come on now. More like Big Dong, am I right? Yeah. It's stinking the base up. And I watched your 15 minute video on game trailers where you said you were very involved in the process. Well, if you're very involved in the process, why were the first three levels all practically the same Peter Jackson I'll forgive the Hobbit I will not forgive that video game <laughs> you have been warned don't right. try with me again so hopefully that answers your question um, what's your favourite uh, next question well this is more of a statement <laughs> than a question I love those those are my favourite an observation and I, I like this one a lot this has come into facebook.com forward slash cinema swell that's facebook.com forward slash mailbag hey Michael Haythorpe asks, 
Why did Kevin start pretending that half wipes aren't allowed in Cinema Swirl? The very first episode earned four and a half star wipes. Back to the Future had 3.5. I'm sure there were plenty more. It's clear from Sam's reactions that Total Recall should have been 4.5, Two Towers should have been 2.5, and I, for one, this is Michael Haythorpe, won't stand for this fascistic stifling of Sam's fence-sitting opinions. Hashtag bring back half wipes. Well, that's just like your opinion, man. You know, I mean... Look, you've clearly put a lot more thought into it than I ever have. So, mm. yeah, whatever the fuck. I don't care. <laughs> All right, cool. The reason why we thought there were no half-star wipes is because I asked off-camera, off-recording, I should say, and I was like, have we done these before? I go, no, I don't think so. Well, that's not dead. But- so just don't, don't just because Sam edits out the bits where we chalk shop assume that it's a big failing on the podcast. It's a part. conspiracy. It is. It's a conspiracy. Well... The answer to that question is that we forgot that we'd done that. Yeah. <laughs> and the process has made out that I'm stifling. Well, if, if anything is ever to be stifled in this life, heaven forbid fence-sitting, that most noble of fucking <laughs> pursuits, is in any way stifled. Would you like a quarter star? Would you, yes. would you like to rate the films on a, on a scale of one to a hundred? I'd like that you know, pitchfork music review thing. I'll, I'll give this a 9.2 best new film. So you're yeah? going to give, uh, give dots now. <laughs> Gonna give dots. So there's good. We're working on a decimal no, I, system I don't now. No, the star wipe system is not as set in stone as some of our listeners might imagine. No, it's, it's important. No. It's really it? important. But, <laughs> <laughs> but thank you for your concern. And uh, no, I no, think, okay. I, I, I think we can do. We can do something here. Okay. Okay. We can have star wipes, and I, I we can, we can oh, reconcile thanks. this. <laughs> We can we can get around the table here, and we can reconcile with we're. This is ridiculous. We have to have fucking peace talks with our past selves here and reconcile different yeah. versions of ourselves. I don't want to talk to the Kevin and Sam from three years ago. I hate those guys. They're Ugh. the worst. Yeah. yeah, yuck. Yeah. So <laughs> they set in stone several an- anarchic rules to make this podcast, which made it very long and difficult. To do. <laughs> those assholes. What if we can say we will do full star wipes, yeah. but you can have half measures, but it has to be a different thing. So you can say, this is three star wipes and a half blank. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah? All right. You we'll like that? that? Compromise. Yeah? Compromise. I like it. All right. Yeah? Yeah. It's only a partial stifling. Now, the question is, Sam, is what shall our half measure be? I think it should be dependent on the film itself. Because mm. star-, okay. <laughs> star wipes only exist because there were some star wipes in Star Wars. That's true. And they've been carried forward. I think maybe it's time to introduce, at least for the, the half wipes, some other measurement. Okay, now, I will have to say this. That, that, that's fine. I accept all your terms. However, mm. my only issue with that... See, look at this. This is the fucking proper democratic process here. Yeah. My only issue, which I will flag with you at this point, is that if you are having a rolling half Star Wipe equivalent item that is yeah. dependent on the movie, will that not make you more likely to think, oh, I think up of a new half measure this week, so I'm more likely to give it a two and a half, a three and a half, a four and a half, than a simple two, three, four, five, or even one. 
I think, and you know, half, half measures aren't ideal sometimes. They're not, no, you want they're not. to be clean cut. Yeah. If I'm going to give something a half measure, I owe it to myself to think on the spot of an appropriate half measure there and then. Okay. I don't yeah, want to have okay. it in the in the in the barrel ready to go. So uh, I will just take it then. If you could word that in just like in a non-binding like yeah, political sure. declaration that that is your your you're holding yourself to that standard, <laughs> then I'm fine. And I think other than that, yeah. all we'll do is I will just maybe say that we should possibly delay your birthday just until things get a little bit sorted because uh, right. that date is approaching now yeah yeah fair enough i think yeah fair enough fair enough i think one of the key things about cinema swell is that we have adhered to all of the rules that we've ever established such <laughs> strict criteria sam and like that's why people are coming here is for strict criteria and straight critique you know and this is like you know why they're you know they're here listening about the Godfather right now mm. you know they're they're loving all this Godfather stuff that's coming at them and that's yeah. why they listen to Cinema Swirl. Yeah. So this film it's got a pretty hefty reputation. Very hefty reputation. It's, yeah. on, it's on a high shelf. And my only experience of it was as a child with no taste. Let's just mm. say so. I'm going in a bit blind as well, I feel. I don't know much about Francis Ford Coppola. I know the Coppola family are quite important. They're a goddamn cinema. Oscar factory is what they yeah. are. I don't know who else is in it beside Pacino and Brando. Oh, there's, there's some other names in there that you'll uh, that, okay. that you'll notice. But, I mean, it's all about P&B, like Pacino and Brando, like, you know? <laughs> I don't. I mean, we might as well mention about Marlon Brando. Have, yeah. have you seen him in anything before? Mm, no. You've not seen On the Waterfront. You've not seen Apocalypse Now. No. Nope. Oh my God. I mean, a Brando swirl may even be mm. something that is possibly warranted at some point. Yeah. Do you know? Do you know much about Marlon Brando? Not really. I know he's dead. <laughs> That's not his defining characteristic. And <laughs> For I, fuck's sake, like. <laughs> A star to the cast in The Godfather, directed by Francis Ford Coppola, starring noted dead actor Marlon Brando. (laughs) He was one of those guys who was, like, incredibly handsome in his youth and had, like, a... Oh, he was a babe, Sam. He was an absolute hard from... Butter wouldn't melt in his mouth, let me tell you. And then transitioned into... He was always a very good actor, but carried off being an old man actor well as well, right? Yes, he is part of that fine crop of aloof bon vivore actors of Hollywood's past where they would start off as a devilishly handsome young rogue segue into a career as a noted amazing actor and then have twilight years of various accusations of being mad as a bag of daffodils right uh, amongst other things the lives of orson wells and marlon brando seem to intertwine in some respects in their mm. later years although brando never voiced a transformer to the best of my knowledge so yeah, i know that only because my brother's <laughs> told me that and he loves Transformers. The original cartoon, not the not the new ones. Sam, you know, something everyone loves here on Cinema Swirl. Mm. They come in here, got a new movie, got new cultural icon to talk about. Yeah. You gotta give me a little bit of that sweet. You gotta give me your best Godfather impression. Let me hear it, ladies and gentlemen. Hello, it's me, Kevin here. Uh, I'm the host, and I've got a nice snazzy vest on and a keyboard Mm. tie because I'm hosting Stars in Your Eyes. And through the the dry ice, the fog, and the indoor fireworks, ladies and gentlemen, Sam Chaplin as... The Godfather! Right, sorry, the, this noise is just me putting uh, paper in my face. I'm just gonna... Come on now, this, mm. that's the behind-the-scenes video bit where they show him getting ready earlier mm. on in the day. Okay, <laughs> Sam Chaplin as The Godfather! Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Hold on. Wait. Oh, uh, okay. Come on, Let's Sam. To- All right. The um, people want to hear from you. Right. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Sam, please, for fuck's sake, the people want to hear from you. Sam Chablan's the godfather. Uh, I'm going to make... Oh, uh, no. <laughs> Come on. Fucking hell. Uh, uh, Why have you put paper in your mouth? I need to do the thing with the... The- he put cotton wool in his mouth. Paper's just going to get gummed up. I'm going to make him enough with careful shoes. Hey! I put oranges in my mouth. <laughs> look oranges, at AJ! <laughs> uh. Apples and oranges! There you go. Well, well, I feel like you went really deep there, Sam. Like, mm. Got to be all like Tony Soprano and grab Christopher and be like, it's a fucking movie, Christopher. It's just a movie. You can't even to be like that, man. I'll be honest. I thought putting something in my face like that would make the voice really easy and it would just naturally come out. And yeah, it did not work out like that. No. <laughs> God, turns out there was a little magic in the air when Marlon Brando did it, huh? Okay. Uh. Sam, I've got an offer that you can't refuse. No, I'm <laughs> obliged to watch this. Uh, yeah, they say, I'm going to make you an offer that you're obliged not to refuse. Uh, no, I, I, I do want to watch it. I do want to watch it. I'm very curious. This has been up there in the like the swirl list for kind of forever. I mean, I don't want people to think that like I'm running it down or anything like that or thinking it's not all that. I'm just saying, like much like Moby Dick or Trout Mask Replica... This was, upon initial viewing, a tad inscrutable for a young intrepid peon like myself. Hmm. And I'm, I'm going to give this... You know what? I'm glad that we're taking a day to do this, because I'm going to fucking give this my absolute all. I'm going to be so goddamn focused, I'm going to have two cups of coffee, yeah? Oh! Oh! Hey. So, Sam, I'm not going to put a horse in your bed. I'm just going to put its head. I'm going to make you an offer you can't refuse. Let's go do a cinema swirl. Godfather, Francis Ford Coppola's masterclass. Mm. He not only does he make a great apple juice, he makes an epic gangster movie. <laughs> <laughs> Come back out, Francis hey. Ford Coppola, and give us some of that sweet, cloudy <laughs> Godfather action. Like, you know, I like to think that their cloudy apple juice, that's the real Godfather part four, really. You know, it has all the, the sophistication, the, the sour and sweet notes, the depth of despair of the Godfather trilogy. Sam, it's been a, a full 24 hours since mm. I've seen you last, so just wondering if you could recall, recall, oh, recall oh. Uh, what happened in the movie and your initial gut reaction, please. I really, really, really enjoyed that a lot. Really? Uh, yeah, I really liked it. That's my initial gut reaction. I did feel that it was long, but I, at no point did I think I don't want to keep watching this, I want it to finish. But I was ah. aware of the length. Okay, so it didn't let's feel get the length short. question. It, it didn't feel short, it felt long. Because mm. this is great now, when you have the, the swirl spread across two separate days, uh, I don't know if it's as palpably obvious to the audience how much less 
less of a bee in your bonnet you have in this part of the uh, episode compared to first episode where you didn't look like you were about to have a good time. It seems like you were going to have a miserable evening. Well, that's kind of, to be honest, how I felt going into it. Why? Why was that? Just because I, I knew all of these films that we could have done potentially, and especially The Godfather, were just three-hour movies, and something about that. And we've been over this a billion times before, that Sam doesn't like long movies because he's a stupid baby and he doesn't have a long attention span. But that is true. <laughs> and so therefore... <laughs> I, I was not looking forward to a three-hour movie because I just knew I'd get tired or bored or something, but I really didn't with this. So you didn't get restless. No. Now, did you have your tea before you watched the movie? Yes. Because I think that's important, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I had my energy up pre-movie. What did you have for your tea? Oh, I had a naked burrito. A naked burrito? A naked burrito. Is that basically just like all the internal innards of a burrito, but with not the outside? Sans burrito itself. Yeah. Now that's interesting because uh, people have said to me often that uh, the wrap, the wrap mm. is meant mm. to be the healthier of the alternatives. Yeah. Cast aside, nonetheless. I'll be honest, it was a ready meal and it was convenient and it was butternut squash and halloumi. And I just saw that in Morrison's, which brings us to today's sponsor, Morrison's. <laughs> And they were like, all of these burritos, they ain't got the wraps on them. Just call them a naked burrito, you fucking skafooza. I looked at the clothed burritos and I was like, and then I went over to like the special aisle with all the naked burritos and I was very excited. And butternut squash and halloumi, yes, please. The kids and it was- these days, they don't want to have any clothes on their burritos. They want fucking naked burritos. I don't want to see any goddamn clothes on any of my Mexican food from now on. You fucking hear me, you fucking paisano. It was lovely, it was very filling, and it kept me going for the three hours of The Godfather. Godfather, or should I say Great Father, because of the <laughs> grandstanding of this movie. Mm. Uh, I have to say a couple of things that's struck me with this movie and this is my second ever viewing of the godfather Mm -hmm. firstly i love that music it seems like they're telling a story it's like the music Hmm. musical instruments are having a bit of patter with each other i've heard that song played by pretty much everyone who has a accordion and it's not played on the accordion but i really associate that song with accordion I just, the way your hands went there, I thought you said, like, everybody has ever had, like, an electric guitar. <laughs> I would love to hear, like, a proper power rock version of the Godfather theme. I think that would be really fun. There must be loads out there. I'm pretty sure there's at least a dozen. Hmm. I do like, you know, particularly playing that music at the old wedding and stuff like that. Yeah. I feel like, yeah, that's actually it's a grand song for the old wedding, for the dance. But I kind of feel now they've used this song in, in, in an incorrect manner because... I can't use that song at any wedding because you'll assume that I'm mobbed up then. And I don't think that's right. Oh, so you're just saying it shouldn't be associated with crime because it's such a, no. a good tune. Exactly, yeah. It, it's been typecast as a tune. It is. It's been it's been typecast as a dirty yeah. gangster tune. And I don't think that's fair. Much the same way, I don't think it's necessarily fair that Skinner and Badil have ring-fenced footballs coming home for this supposed football crowd. I mean, it's for everyone, right? I mean... <laughs> Look, Sam, look, listen to me, right? They keep saying it's coming home. They never specify what's coming home, you know? Yeah. It's coming home. Well, it's on. coming <laughs> home. You know, it is coming home. You know, it could be anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it could be anything. 
be used any time of year. That's another song that is kind of penned into a specific context, but it actually is so good Broad. that it yeah, belongs good. outside of it. It should belong to everyone, that song. And also the Godfather song. Very similar we- tunes. <laughs> We open it up with Mortician, who's whinging to the Godfather. Oh, Godfather, Godfather, meh, 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 meh. <coughs> On this, the day of his daughter's wedding. Yeah. It's a tale of whiskey, movies, vicious beatings, mm-hmm. and police doing absolutely nothing. And I see you come to me today on the day of my daughter's wedding. <laughs> Not as a friend, but instead you come to me asking, as this man that you know, a powerful man. And when was the last time you asked me around your house for coffee, huh? Why didn't you ever ask me around for coffee? Honestly. Yeah. Very sensitive Godfather, yeah, isn't he? Don't call it only it's like kind of almost quite sweet in the way that he really cares about friendship and being friends. Oh, and I know you're SVP to my party like I <laughs> SVP. Huh? I sent you three invites on Facebook. <laughs> and you didn't you said you were interested? I see you read in the <laughs> chat logs. <laughs> That you are interested and you have viewed my events. It, it's, it's, it's really quite sweet how sensitive he is. I don't know whether yeah. this whole friendship thing is kind of a mob analogy. That, you know, this is this needs to be a reciprocal thing. But I was just taking it on face value. It was like, come on, you got to be nice and be my friend. And then I'll be your friend and help you out. Come on. why have you not well, been We that? don't want that situation, none of us, Sam, where someone comes to you with one arm as long as the other looking for something like that. And mm. under the guise of friendship. If anyone who's at home in Ireland now and it can explain to me why the phrase one arm as long as the other I was just thinking that when you said you know I mean, why why would it imply that if if a, if a group of people have one arm as long as the other, that they therefore become a pack of chances? That's pretty by that. standard issue, isn't it? <laughs> That's Speak for yourself. Same arms, but he, he's big into it. He wants you know to let it be known that if you want to get help from from the Godfather, he, he didn't even call him Godfather. Yeah, and that's my name. Did you not see the font at the start? Do you not see the Godfather font and the Godfather did, music? And then didn't you, come you in look here? up above? You scroll down <laughs> from up there. He says the Godfather, and there's a hand with a marionette string yeah. on it. Rewind, mate. Like literally three <laughs> minutes ago was your clue. Come on. Didn't you notice that I was playing? The theme from The Godfather <laughs> when you came into my office. Don Corleone here. He, he's got a lovely little cat. We don't oh, really a lovely, lovely kitty. The cat. And the cat is kind of scratching a little bit. He's kind of playing around. And, and Don's very, very calm with the cat. Very nice with the cat. It's a very sweet cat. It really paints him in a, in a sweet light. It does. It shows him yeah. that he's firm, but has a kindness to him. Mm. Also, I don't know if this is crossing the streams too much, sure. but if we could steal away the phrase, a very good boy from the world of dogs and yeah. apply it in one instance, it would be to that cat. That cat is a very good boy yeah. who's a good boy. That cat. <laughs> that cat is very, yeah. very good boy. To answer your question, that cat. Please, Godfather, give me all the things that I want. So he's like, right, you know what? Do you a favor. However, there will come a time I'll ask of you a service. Mm. Ooh. So the last Al Pacino film that I watched was Jack and Jill. And there was a lot of... And that was on our Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash cinema swirl. I'm getting in the plugs pretty hard at this point. I, I That's patreon.com slash mailbag. <laughs> um, thank you for taking me down a peg and kind of... <laughs> <laughs> Keeping you in check, mate. Like. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. And... There would be a lot of characters introduced in that who would not be paid off later or wouldn't really have anything to do. And what I like about this film, and we can explore some of this later, is that even some of the minor characters who just kind of pop 
up and you think they could just be there for a little bit just and they have purpose for being there but most of them come back later and serve some other purpose and it all works out and it all pays off yeah these are all like characters and moving parts in like this greater piece as opposed to our main characters need to do this thing let's invent a character to meet that end yes and I think the length of this film does a great job at serving that whole thing so it has to be that long otherwise it wouldn't length get that that the yeah. callbacks are not too soon you know yeah yeah you can introduce yeah. the character in act one and then bring him back in act three and it almost feels like TV when you've got a couple of episodes between seeing someone and then oh yeah that guy from before he's back now the real hardcore fans when they watch it they usually take a short 10 question test on on the hour every hour as the movie progresses to make sure that you're up to speed with who everyone is and all the moving parts yeah and I'm not entirely sure if I would have passed that test no oh there's a lot of names a lot of faces a lot of people you might not know but I've realised that's not actually that important to know who everyone is in this which is really good you can just kind of watch it and let that sort of wash over you a bit as long as you sort of know who everyone is and who they're related to you're okay I mean there was part of me I'm not gonna lie there was parts of this where I was frustrated where I was like like I had to go and check like plot synopsis while I was watching the movie several times when it's like someone's been killed or someone's gonna get whacked or something's gonna happen here and it's like wait who's getting killed why specifically because you're all having these fucking whispery meetings behind closed doors and I'm not 100% sure why people are dying and I felt ready to castrate the movie for that a bit being a little bit obtuse to castrate the movie to castrate the movie it shouldn't have any sort of sexual organs it is a movie it is wrong it's just strange you know that's just odd but I'd tell a lie if I said the first two or three times I watched The Sopranos and I've watched it like fucking five or six times Mm. But the first two or three times, I wouldn't have been able to tell you who everyone was and why everyone who was whacked was whacked. And there's still elements of it that I probably don't actually... I get the gist of it, but I don't know the whole interlocking features and mechanism of it. Because surprisingly, organised crime, by virtue of being organised, is quite hard to follow sometimes. Yeah, and someone's got to organise that. Someone's got to have the spreadsheet of all the names, and it's not us. Someone's got to have that Rolodex. It's got to be done. I want to have an Italian wedding because everyone gets to drink jugs of wine where it goes recall, recall love it, fucking great it looks really lovely doesn't it, that big party and it took us through 10 minutes and 30 seconds before this movie got its first Gabagool yes, Uh, I've written down a lot about Gabagool here what is a Gabagool, I want a Gabagool he's like, hey I got you a Gabagool and a Gabago and like what the fuck is that I thought I knew what Gabagool was, and now it's like sliced meats, right? I think. I don't know. Well, you just said I have a lot about Gabagool here. I was oh, no, thinking no, no. Like, some of it along the way will be what it is. <laughs> like, when I say I've got a lot about it, I'm like, I've written down the word Gabagool a couple of times. <laughs> because I want to know what Gabagool is, but I, I was not willing to do the research. A thing I love about this movie is that you get constant kind of two things happening at once. You know, mm. Don Corleone, he's petting a cat, but he's also kind of fighting the cat a little bit. There's a big happy wedding, but the FBI are also showing up. There's yeah. people drinking wine, but also smashing up photographers and talk about how if it wasn't the Don's daughter they'd be stealing the wedding purse there's like happy and sad things concurrently all the time yeah it's showing you like this is a family still and they're having a fun family wedding but they are a crime family and so therefore there's crime stuff as well my favourite bit about that when the FBI are coming in and they're looking at registration places and stuff and the guys come out and they're like hey come on fuck off FBI and they actually smash one of the cameras and then throw money on the ground to sort of pay for the camera which makes me feel that like the mob and the Bullingdon Club are not that <laughs> far removed. You know? That Boom. seems like a kind of 
eaten Tory type thing to do to just smash something up and then throw money at the problem. But that that happens. In yeah. as far as I know, in the in the modern Boynton Club, even I've heard tales of, as recent as two or three years ago of like local pubs getting smashed up oh, and yeah, then yeah, they no, throw they, money they around. They do that. They just ruin things, smash things up, and they know that they have enough money to sort it out. So they could just be dicks. Ah. And maybe the politicians are the real criminals. <laughs> Seems like an organised crime family mm. to me, like. Yeah. I'll be a less diverse one than the heavily Italian-American Corleone crime family. Where's David Cameron now, mate? He just got his trotters up, you know? Where, yeah, where's I, he I, with I, all there this? you go. Sam Chapman, <laughs> man of the people over here, like. And now his oh. daughter is going to capture the nation's hearts in an overly mm. sexualised reality show. <laughs> Sam, may your first child be a masculine child mm. on this, the day of your daughter's daughter. Yeah, oh, Luca Brazzi. Struggling Luca with Brazzi, his words a little Luca bit Brazzi. here. Luca Brazzi. Oh, Luca Brazzi. Yeah. I think he is adorable. He's, he's, you know, he's a character who, if you asked me to list before I watched it, all the characters in The Godfather, you would have been right at the top of the list, even though he's in it for like 10 minutes, maybe? I think it's just because people say his full name a lot. Luca Brazzi. Luca Brazzi. We'll send Luca Brazzi. Luca Brazzi will come and do this. Oh, there's Luca Brazzi over there. Who's Luca Brazzi Brazzi. sleeps with the fishes. Yeah, that's a famous line. Hey, everyone, it's Luca Brazzi. Oh, (laughs) Luca Brazzi, you motherfucker, come over here. I want to kiss you for a a Luca and for a Brazzi. Hey, Luca Brazzi. But even Luca Brazzi, who's, I think, seen as quite an intimidating man, he's very nervous in the presence of Don Corleone. Yeah, he's the heavy hand. He's the muscle. Mm. Because when we're introduced to young Michael Corleone, the Mm. war hero, and the only thing he's whacking is a plate from the buffet. Buffet table, mate. <laughs> and honestly, this happens a lot. The phrase "an offer he can't refuse" is used like thousands of times in this. Yeah. Like he's like, "Hey, what are you doing in that bathroom? Are you doing number one? No, Dad, I'm making an offer he can't <laughs> refuse." Like, all right, just flush twice afterwards. You know, it's it's constant. Yeah. But when he talks about Luca Brazzi and he's like, his dad's like, "Oh yeah, he made him an offer he couldn't refuse." He's like, "Oh, what does that mean?" He goes, "Oh, Luca Brazzi held a gun to his head while he signed this contract." And I think just even that line alone makes you know that oh, Luca Brazzi is known as being he's heavy and well known exactly they write about his reps in the paper except they yeah. don't because he smashed the camera of the journalist who's writing for the paper when Michael is explaining how much of a scary bastard Luca Brazzi is and that he's threatened people with murder and that kind of thing he makes it very clear that that's not him to Kay who he's on a kind of I guess he's he's brought her along as his plus one so I was going to say it's like a date but it's not I mean it's a wedding date you know yeah. which, which definitely can have an asterisk beside it I'm sure mm. but it's very, very clear that this guy even when he, you know he's a war hero but he seems very meek and, and reserved and doesn't want to get involved in the the violence and the yeah, crime he, he of seems his like he's not part of this he's like no. a visitor here and i think the fact that he wears a, a, a his, his army uniform which he got from army i think shows that like that he's just not part of this group and while everyone was here making crime he was over being and everyone just refers to him as being a war hero like so yeah. he's obviously been very well accomplished while he's over there well this is set just after world war Two, isn't it well the movie does take some leaps forward in time and mm. it's quite difficult when Al Pacino the fine young man that he is mm. the fine handsome young man looks fucking like 16 years old here and yeah. so when it's like oh it's 10 years in the future now it's like well, he looks exactly the goddamn same he's just wearing a hat now like he looks so different to what I think of Al Pacino as cause you think of Al Pacino I'm tearing down these walls cause I got a big ass he ha! sounds so different 
Do not touch my telly! Sounds like a completely different person. Kind of looks like Dustin Hoffman when he was younger. He, He's got that same... He looks like Robert advice. De Niro closer, I think, than he actually does. You've seen young Robert De Niro right. and young Al Pacino. They're similar-looking young men, mm. and then they just diverge into these different yeah. offshoot branches of old manism. But yeah, but very handsome, but very young-looking here. We get a tale of judges and senators who aren't here at the wedding, so they're mm. sending gifts and well-wishes in their absence. And it gives you the sense that this is a proper, legit operation when they've got all of the uh, high-ranking officials in their front and back and breast pockets. Yeah. This family, the Corleone family, is very very well-connected, is the sense that we're getting here. They're very powerful. The only person here who's not well-connected, though, is Brother Fredo, who is <laughs> awful. Like, F- Fredo? Like, Fredo the bar? Great. Fredo? That's like the Hey, guys, yeah. Brexit is coming. I know you like Fredos, so you like the new Fredo that is mostly made of biscuit, because we can't afford <laughs> the ingredients anymore. No, Fredo Fredo is well connected, just very well connected to the glass of beer that he is drinking because he's all drunk at this point. Oh, and he's the older brother. That's mm. sad. Yeah. Sonny is the other son. Mm. Sonny is doing what he does best. Kicking ass, taking names, and having sex. He's having sex at this wedding because mm. he's a little bit of a wild card, this Sonny fellow. He is a wild card. He, he's ha- has he got a, a lady partner? Or is he uh, just a kind of single wild man? I, I think it's one of those things. For, I'm judging this from my Sopranos watching, but yeah. I'm kind of like it's it's a moot point almost because right. he may well have a wife, but then of course he has his guma, and then oh, he's yeah, going to yeah. have a, a variety of other, you know. Basically, if you're in the mob, it means you are in those type of special polygamous relationships that means you can do whatever you want, but if mm. your wife does anything, she sleeps with the fishes. Mm. And it's going to be proper smelly, and she'll hate it, and that'll teach you <laughs> from sleeping around. <laughs> We also meet Tom Hagen, who is one of the sons, kind of, but he's He's street Irish. Yeah. He was like a little street boy who was adopted. But, I mean, he's a man now. wild Irish, as they're also known, like. Yeah. Like, you know when you came across me in the long grass when you were walking between Nottingham and Palatine? Yeah, yeah. Blah! (laughs) That's Tom Hagen. He... It has got a very established place within this family. He's the consigliere. Is that how you I love that it? word. I love that word. Consigliere. Consigliere. Kind of advisor, counsellor. He, it's just, you know, you go to him for advice. But he's not Sicilian. He's not Italian. Now, he's German-Irish, so he's a Mick Kraut. There's that kind of separation there. This little feeling that he is really ingratiated in the family. But also there's this real importance of being... Italian. It's not just Italian, Sam. Sicilian. Sicilian. That's Sicilian. a big thing. And that came up in Goodfellas as well, if mm. you remember, because they're like, oh, he'll never be a made man because he's not like he's not Italian or he's not Sicilian or whatever. So that is like kind of, I think they were much stricter about it yeah. the further back you go in Italian-American gangster history. As great as Tom is, there's a certain ceiling that he can't break through for that reason. I will say, though, consigliere. If mm. someone said to me at the end of a very big meal, I go, would Sarah care for a consigliere? I would Ooh, say yes. yes. Please. Thank you, yes. I think that would be... And then Tom Hagen comes over and starts advising you on your life. <laughs> you should not tip this meal. It was very, very unwise of them to bring out the drinks at the time which they did. And I will advise you at this point to walk out without paying. Johnny comes in. Johnny Fontaine! Oh! And everyone's just like, hey, sing a song. Sing a fucking song, Johnny. Come on, sing a song. Come on up, Johnny Fontaine, and sing a song. And he He's sings a full song. of heroin and show tunes. Give him a wallop and let him... Go on, Johnny. On, bitches out, Johnny. Go on, there we go. Hey, there he's going. So he's there having a great time singing his song, but what he's really there for is to ask a bloody favour of Don Corleone, which everyone seems to be doing at this fucking wedding. Yeah, and he's got an offer that he can't refuse, which is Mm. both barrels, mate, yeah? (laughs) Yeah. 
<laughs> oh, you go to Hollywood, you cry like a woman. Well, if, you know, that's an impressive feat if he can do that on command. Yeah, he's got range. Come see Johnny yeah. Fontaine, a fucking amazing lion singer, Hollywood star, can cry in a feminine way on command. Amazing. Mm. I'd pay to see that in the 40s. Johnny's basically complaining that he hasn't got a role in the film. The producer's not giving him the role and saying, make the producer give me the role. And so Don Corleone's like, yeah, all right, I'll do that. On this the day of my daughter's wedding? Yeah, all right. And as Johnny walks out the door, Don Corleone just makes this kind of, uh, kind of noise. He's just, he's frustrated with all these people kind of asking stuff of him, really. And it's stressful enough. Like, I I mean, I've been to a few weddings in my time Mm. and my heart goes out to, well, depending on the cooperation between them, the bride slash and or the groom right. uh, usually because one or both of those people it ends up all the fucking shit they have to deal with like, I ever go to a friend's wedding and it's like there's, they're literally like exchanging vows and someone's there going the parking situation what's what's that like <laughs> you know yeah yeah to have and to hold where am I going to have and hold the people carrier because <laughs> I'm worried that this is not a public car park so having to deal with that it's awful and usually the parents I think should take the load of all that fucking admin shit you know ask them stuff but Imagine how easy you have to do all that and you have to listen to all the people coming at you going, oh, Godfather, Godfather, I no, want a movie, movie role. Yeah. Murder these men. Give me justice, Don Corleone. Well, he hasn't even been to the buffet. Where's that justice, huh? <laughs> I think at some point he does say, is this all over? Because I just want to go and enjoy this fucking wedding. Jesus Christ. I've come in and be like, I've got an offer you can't refuse, mate. And I have a little plate with some tinfoil on it of all of his favourite bits there. He'd love that, wouldn't he? Hey, Sam, I got an offer you can't refuse. Tune (laughs) 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 So... Don Corleone, he sends Tom Hagen to California to get this deal done with the movie Mogul. To straighten it all out. Mm. And uh, this was a, a, an early favourite mission in Godfather, the Black Hand Edition uh, on Nintendo Wii, right. uh, where you had to go and follow the movie producer and find out and you know, stake out the joint and all this stuff. And I don't like that the movie took liberties with the creative license of the EA game, which I feel was a real piece of work here, implying that Tom Hagen masterminded this when actually it was me, previously undisclosed NPC Kevin, who Mm. was actually the mind and the muscle behind this particular (laughs) operation. Uh, So yeah, many people were strangled in the process, and I feel that that should be known. Uh, If we watched the expanded edition, you would have seen all my exploits. Can we do an expanded edition of The Godfather, where you've got Let's play <laughs> stitched in along the way. So like, these bits happen. And then uh, and then can he digitize in actual Al Pacino from Scarface so it's consistent to put that on his face with de-aging so he's not too old. There's a thing that sometimes happens on YouTube where people will put together all the cutscenes from a game and create like blah, 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 the game, the movie, where you just have all of the cutscenes stitched together so it kind of forms like a long narrative. It'd be amazing if someone has done that of the Godfather game and just someone's watching The Godfather, the game, the movie. <laughs> rather Sam, than The Godfather. As someone put together Escape 3, the movie, then, on the basis of that, where it's just like, congratulations, you completed another innocuous challenge. Oh, don't call them innocuous, again, mate. And another one, like, congratulations, you've completed another superfluous challenge. Like, No, I kickflipped over a pond, and that's not easy. <laughs> and Eric Costin told me to do that, so... Well, if Eric Costin told you to ollie off a cliff, would you do that? Yes, that's one of the other missions. <laughs> I want to speak to that Eric Costin's mother. <laughs> we get a lot of fades in Hollywood, crossfade cuts in this whole scene of establishing Hollywood, California, Waltz Studios. And there's all that. Bah, bah, 
music. Yeah. It definitely feels like Hollywood. It's great. It also feels really out of place where you go from this like very Italian American wedding, which is entrenched in. Mm. All, like, it almost feels out of place for this movie entirely. When you do this hard cut to like, it's Hollywood, my boy, <laughs> my little chickadee. It does feel a bit like a mission in a game, doesn't it? That you go to some far-flung location to do a mission, and then it, it come was back to Sam, it. and yeah. it was well, a way yeah. to introduce the mini map and fast mm. travel to the players. So I'm I'm thankful that this was the mission that was given to me on this the day of my daughter's wedding. So this movie producer, he's very wary of Tom. He's like, hey, get the fuck out of here. He's not getting in that movie. And then we cut to Tom Hagen being invited round to the house. I had to look at the Irish sure, huh? The me- <laughs> you get screamed out of the work and then you're back there for the dinner sure. The movie producer has found out that he's one of the Corleone guys. And so therefore he's giving him like the this, the big tour the, of the house. And we see a horse and immediately I'm like, right, well that horse is going to get his fucking head cut off. Spoiler uh, alert. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Kevin was successful in the mission, didn't even need to reload once. <laughs> the producer's being very polite, but he's, he then starts like not backing down on this whole getting Johnny Fontaine in the movie thing. He it gives him happen. the big talk, which is my favourite line ever, which is, a man in my position can't afford to look ridiculous. Mm, bit, bit late for that. <laughs> <laughs> There's lots of lines of dialogue in this movie that are then like appropriated randomly and used in like things like Goodfellas and mm. The Sopranos. Seemingly random lines are then kind of lovingly rewoven into the fabric of, you know, mafia movies and culture. So yeah. that's that's definitely one that I've heard a few times. Waltz, the producer, he uses Goomba as an insult, which is great. Oh! You fucking Goomba. I won't have these Goombas coming over here. Is Get Goomba... these fucking Goombas de-evolved in the devolution race. I really hope Goomba isn't like a bad slur that I'm using here, because I'm just associated with Goombas from Super Mario. A Goomba, as far as I know, is just meant to mean a bad person. Oh, okay, that's fine. But yeah, there are, and I learned this the first time I watched The Sopranos when I was a young, young boy of 17 mm. or 18, there are some of the words that they use willy-nilly that are bad words and you just need to be careful. And the problem is that some of them sound fun to say but you don't realise that they're not good words to say. They're not a good word, you know? There's a a cracking word which was uh, goober which I I love that word goober. Uh, it's, It's a silly word. And I was trying to recall that, and I almost said a racial slur aloud uh, once. And I said, whoa, uh, this is playing with dynamite here now. i got to be careful here. So hopefully Goomba's all right. Or if it's not, you'll have heard a lot of bleeps over the last few moments. Of There's all these like really surly-looking brain mushrooms who are like, dear <laughs> cinema swirl. All right, how are they typing this? They ain't got no fucking hands. Fuck, nah, we got nothing to worry about. <laughs> Look, Sam, tell you what. One of those guys comes up here, you and I, boom, we stomp on him. End of, okay? Yeah. Now, they might come at you in a tall tower of around 20 of them, mm-hmm. but we'll just get up high and we'll stomp them. Or yeah. they could come and they could fly at us. We stomp the wings, then we stomp them, okay? Like the fucking Goombas that they are. You capiche? Yeah. We then get the, the famous scene in this mm. movie, which is waking up in a warm bed... But it's not warm for the reasons you think. as ah, the fucking removed head of a horse. And it looks very much like black pudding. What, the horse? Well, yeah, because it's all kind of mottled and black. Yeah. And also there's a lot of blood there. So I was like, well, right. it is looks like black pudding because yeah. of the consistency. But also the blood there is kind of like, almost <laughs> like I've put my analogy in bold. I it feel. looks like black pudding, but it is black beauty. <laughs> Uh, you know what? For my for my birthday weekend, I had a few little treats. Yeah. One of which was a little bit of black pudding, my absolute fave. Oh. 
and I may have called it a black beauty when I was seen yeah. this. So it's the 1950s now. Things yeah. are moving forward, and we've got some innovative new ideas for the new millennium. Heroin, baby. <laughs> heroin, yeah. We get the heroin man. Salozo? Salozo? Salozo. Yeah, the Salazo, who's known yeah. as the Turk. More like the jerk, am I right? Hey, he's offering 30% interest, which is a very good rate. Uh, I'd go for that straight away. And he, in exchange for that 30% interest of his heroin empire, his whole game and he's like glad have you tried heroin it's wow like you know like (laughs) very moorish people really really love it like this shit's selling like hotcakes i can't Mm. sell it quick enough like no i've gone out of the hotcakes game and i've gone into the heroin game this is where i am now but he wants finance which is like a million dollars, maybe? He wants Something a down like payment, that. yeah, yeah. Political influence and legal protection. That's what he wants in the Corleones. And Don says no. Drugs is a dirty business. It's not the business he wants to be in. And he's very clear about this. He's like, I like you. I like what you're offering. I think the product's great. But this doesn't fit with my portfolio. And therefore, I'm out. <laughs> For those reasons and more, it is, it's not a business. And therefore, I am out. I'm out. I think one of the dragons on Dragon's Den should have a cat, you know? Oh, yeah, that they're playing with. Like, yeah, you know? that'd be well, great. Well, Sam, I've got this cracking idea, which is you and I will go on to Dragon's Den on yes. the day of Duncan Bannatyne's daughter's wedding, and we will make him an <laughs> offer he cannot refuse, which is 50000 for 12.5% <laughs> in one of the many companies that we've pitched here on Cinema Swirl. <laughs> he won't be able to refuse. No. Oh, uh, Johnny's got the film role, by the way, lol. That, that all panned out. We, we just yeah. get confirmation of that, like, offhand somewhere. As a result of having a, a dead horse in his bed and going, ah, 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 the producer's gone, all right, give him the, the film role. I like that, like, that worked. Imagine if it didn't, where it's like, ah, oh, have I got the role now? It's like, no! No, you cut my fucking horse's head off, you lizard. The only thing that's changed now is that I don't have a horse or a clean bed sheet, so no! No, he's not getting the role. He had a chance before, but not anymore, mate. You've really uh, burnt your bridges there. No, the black pudding doesn't make up for it. No. So we get some kind of explanation about there's five families here. Five families for the five boroughs. Yeah. And there's the Tatalia? Well, I mean, the five boroughs of New York. So you've got New York, New York. You've got New York. (laughs) You've got New York, New York. You've got the Big Apple. Yeah. The Windy City. And then you got Brooklyn. Yeah. Those are the five boroughs. Those are the boroughs. So Don Corleone sends Luca Brazzi to the Tatalias to kind of find out more. To pretend it's that he's unhappy such with... such a shit idea. Like, pretend you're not happy with our family and say that you want in on this deal, but find out what they are doing. I'm not really Hi, sure. Luca, could you go get murdered, please? <laughs> Thanks. Bye. <laughs> Embarrassed yourself at the wedding. But we're in New York. Yay, it's Christmas, oh, baby. Yeah, the big yeah. city. Fuck you, California. Now we're in New York and it's Christmas and it's snowing. Yeah, fuck you, California. Here we are, the bright lights of Hollywood, New York City, baby. <laughs> Lucas putting his bulletproof vest on. Um, that comes into play a little bit later. And yeah, he does up his shoes and he yeah. puts on his big brave face. And then he goes in and he's like, hello, I'm a representative of the Corleone, not Corleone crime family. And then they murder him. Yeah, and then, well, they, they offer him a job. They're like, oh, you can come and work with us. And then they stab and strangle him. So it's really brutal. It is. It's a very violent movie. The garrotting. I don't like garrotting. No, garrotting. Bulging eyes. Joe the intern loves playing Hitman and Hitman 2. 
Great games. Joe the intern loves garroting. I personally don't like it. <laughs> She'll wake me up in the morning with a gentle garroting and I'll be like, oh, you. Yeah. Honestly, they make it out seem to be a lot more fun than garroting. Like a real clean, silent way to take someone out. Like, uh, oh, the garrot, yeah. But it's like, ah, yeah. ah, and then their eyes explode. The fucking eyes is the, no. the worst thing. Like, when you hear of garroting, I bet at home you didn't think there'd be a crunching noise, did you? But there no, is. But, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm really <laughs> upset now. I'm just remembering that scene and how kind of yucky but it was. The thing about this movie, I think it's quite important. I think at the time it was very shocking how violent it was. Mm. I think there had been a tendency to portray mobsters in kind of a very silly, almost cartoonish, villainous light. And it's like, you know, where Tommy guns? And, you right, know, yeah. people go, oh, blah, 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 you know, whereas, you know, the reality of it is that a lot of it was gruesome. And yeah. it, it, it wasn't like kind of, oh, we're going to put him in some concrete shoes and then throw him overboard. It's like, no, nah, we're going to garrote him, stab him, you know, stab his hand, stab him yeah. in the chest. Lo- lots of, re- like, this movie is very good at dealing with the reality of, of, of the violence that happened mm. in the mafia. They certainly turned the tables on the kind of silly cartoon depictions of mafia violence in the past that happened before this. So that's <laughs> he runs into runs to Tom Hagen while he's buying some Christmas presents and kind of kidnaps him. Uh, says, if I wanted to kill you, you'd be dead already, which is kind of cool. That's a cool line. I like that. I love here when they put a hit on the Godfather, on, on Don Corleone himself, mm. and he gets shot in the back of fuckloads, and Freddo's like, oh, hang on a second, I'm just going to get my gun out <laughs> I'm just going to fumble this fucking brain. gun. Yeah, he really makes an absolute pig's ear of getting that gun out. Don Corleone is really cute when he's just buying fruit. I, re- I find him very sweet and adorable. I don't know if that's patronising, but I really do. <gasps> I think maybe Godfather 2, you need to see his, his backstory. Right, so okay. So that may perhaps... He's a violent man, yes. Mm. And I think in the same way that Tony Soprano can be a little bit cute at times. Yeah. When he's not being a horribly violent mm. monster who's got a litany of fucking mental issues. <laughs> now, <laughs> when I saw this scene and these two lads run in and assassinate, basically, Vito here, I thought, holy shit, we're 40 minutes in and main character's dead. And I thought, is he dead? I, but I thought maybe they did that. And maybe all of this hype around the Godfather character is just based on those early scenes, so the wedding scenes and the few other scenes here and there. But I, I thought they might have, have actually pulled that off and just killed off the Godfather so so quickly. Yeah, I did write down here, well, they got a good 45 minutes out of Brando, at least. Mm. Uh, I, I know that in this movie, that was something that was quite uh, mind-blowing to me. I thought the movie was all about him and followed him yeah, almost yeah. exclusively. He's not in it like, that much. He's No, it's it's funny. that Someone did a, a thing before about like iconic on-screen characters of earlier kind of modern cinema. Mm. And like, you know, Darth Vader, he's like an icon and he was on screen for like, you know, however many minutes. And apparently Don Corleone is another example of that where it's a character who's actually, you know, very synonymous with the movie, but he's actually only on screen for probably an hour out of this. Like, yeah. It's probably generous to say 45 minutes even. I've heard Hannibal Lecter talked about in that way as well. Yeah, I think we did mention on the yeah. Science of Lambs that he was he was not in barely it in it as well, yeah. like you know, or like I know in Terminator, like Arnie, like the first Terminator, Arnie's got something like twelve lines of dialogue, right. or something stupid like that, you know. So I always love that when someone manages to really put their foot down and make a mark here, because mm. he's fucking brilliant in this, Brando. He is like he's just objectively yeah. fabulous, like. But this is one of those is he dead or alive type things where I, I was a bit unsure, unlike when Mary or Pippin whatever nearly got stood on by a giant tree, and I was like, well, they're obviously still fucking alive. Whereas this, I was like, shit. That might be it. But it's not it. 
he's still alive. And they all did to find out through like phone calls and stuff. It's not like now yeah. where you just check your phone and you go, is my dad alive? <laughs> hey Siri, yeah. is my dad dead? <laughs> yeah, that's why I use dad app to find out. I get a lot of real-time live updates about my dad. So because it's kind of an all-hands-on-deck situation yeah. and dad's in the hospital and all this jazz, mm. it ends up, though, that Michael kind of gets dragged into him. They're at the start, they're like, ah, don't have him doing nothing too dirty. So it's like, right, well, Michael, if you could do the phones and do mm. a, a whip around and maybe get the coffees and all that, that would actually be a big, big help. Aww. Yeah. He nearly gets involved in, like, a big thing that's just, like, just hang around at home, answer the calls, which is kind of what happens to me at work when everyone goes for lunch, and they're just like, if you could just answer some of the phone calls. Aww. Cool. Like, uh, great. Uh, L- Luca Bratzi sleeps with the fishes. Oh, yeah, because they've sent a fish. Sorry, not just the fish. Three fine big fishes, no less. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you go, go to the trouble of making a statement like that, at least you've got some fish out of it. That very much softened the blow. Like, if someone said yeah. to me, Sam Chapman sleeps with the fish, is also here's dinner for a week like here's you know a big bit of black pudding oh well now nah, that's different like yeah you don't need to, you don't need to actually anticipate your death sound be <laughs> careful with your analogies here you'd immediately forget that i was dead if that absolutely <laughs> i just wrap my lips and tongue around that beautiful black sort of a bitch and be done with it mm. what's happened with tom hagen here he's been kind of set up by uh the turk here he said like go back and like i'm keep you're alive you're not gonna get killed yeah and that never really... You're asking the wrong guy here, All right, okay? Yeah, yeah. And you know what? I'm not going to be one of these motherfuckers who pretends that he understands every part of this movie and get angry no. for people who don't like it. I'm sure I'll get loads of really intriguing tweets about this, but there are lots of parts which I'm unclear of. Yeah. For instance, like the bit that comes next where Clemenza and they take a few, a few of the guys, they go off in a car and they shoot a guy in the back of the head when he's going, he's taking a leak. Yeah. I wasn't sure how they established that the guy who they shot was kind of in on this yeah. somehow. So I think that's Paulie and Rocco or something like that. I don't even know who. I think what it was is because I know Fred. The reason Fredo was with Don Corleone on that day and not his usual bodyguard, right? It's like, oh, he's all here today. I think that might have been it that he like. Right, so that way he must have tipped them off, or he must have set up, maybe or, sold or them something out. like that. I heard like I d- this guy sold them out. And then they kill that guy. But yeah, I, I, this is like a point where I, I paused the movie and I had a good like 30 minutes online kind of trying to like, I, I googled, leave the gun, take the cannoli, what actually happens? And I'm not <laughs> the only person who actually had this. I was like, oh, what a great line of dialogue it was. Yes, yeah. when the man what's did going what? On? What's going yeah. on? Like, I think maybe that speaks to the whole, the amount of paranoia and suspicion going on here. Yeah. That everyone could be... Uh, a double agent as it were do you notice that everyone seems a lot sharper than in the sopranos where everyone in the sopranos seems thick as shit for the most part oh, yeah, yeah. but everyone here is like a real fucking devious like 10 steps ahead mm. i'll fucking stab you in the back in 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 10 seconds or i will actually be doing this right now and you don't even realize it i do like you do get the sense of how fucking cold and devious they are yeah and but like we were saying earlier then you have that really cold scene there where they just kill a guy completely out of the blue to mm. the point where you have to fucking google to know why and then afterwards he's like oh you want a nice recipe for spaghetti sauce and it is a cracking recipe yeah you've got your tomatoes in there let them bubble don't let them boil then you put in your sausage your meatballs recall oh meatball meatball (laughs) you put in a little bit of wine and tomato paste very good it's nice that we're always getting that contrast of crime 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 family 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 you know it's a crime family but there is the family element there (laughs) 
they were just having a nice meal together. Although you don't get to see enough food in this, is what I would no. say. I remember the Goodfellas had a lot of like, oh, that sh- that looks delicious. And the Sopranos has a lot of stuff where I just look at this Italian food and I'm like, that looks really nice. You don't get many shots of that in The Godfather. No, you don't. They don't celebrate the food as, as no. much as uh, I really follow wish they movies did. were. I, me too, because honestly, that sounds like a fucking delicious, that big pot of spaghetti sauce. I want that. I want those mm. meatballs and sausage. So Michael Corleone here is slowly but surely kind of developing as a character. And there's a bit where he's on the phone to Kay and he's in the room with all of these mafia lads eating their dinner and she wants him to say I love you and he won't say it on the phone. And I think he's he doesn't want to seem soft. Exactly, yeah. It's, uh, Whereas it's before, a whole thing. I think he was pretty happy to be like... I am soft <laughs> because this is not me. Whereas when his dad gets in trouble and his dad gets hurt, he realizes that he may have to step up and he really wants to be seen as like a, a bit of a tough guy. But it's so gradual. It is, and it's there's loads that goes into it. It's it's not yeah. like because he's such a quiet guy. And again, mm. Pacino, not not a very chatty man in this movie. No. You know, uh he he's very broody, he keeps to himself. He communicates and- so much of his character change through just his face and his facial expressions and how he's reacting to things. He doesn't smile after like the one hour 30 mark basically (laughs) yeah that's that's acting right there so michael is then his job to go visit his dad in the hospital and there's no guards there so there isn't it's a fucking creepy hospital kevin typical nhs nonsense is what it's like this is some resident evil type shit this hospital i don't like it so yeah Eon has to unhook him try and move the, the body mm. basically find out kind of this again is like another thing which you think might might factor into it is that Michael seems to be somewhat of a believer of, of law and order to an extent but yeah. you know, meaning the, the crooked cop who then breaks his jaw and is like you know arrest this man he's like what for I don't know I'm a fucking crooked cop make something <laughs> up like I think there's that and there's also the fact that Sonny's in charge and he's a little bit chaotic because he's a little bit fucking fire brandy yeah. and you know him not having the respect maybe from the family you know that maybe say Sonny does because he yeah. is more of a hands-on gangster and mm. there's also then Fredo who's kind of like a, a comedy almost like tragic figure in the family and it's like well there's also that thing that I don't want to be I don't want to be like shit like that brother so there's a lot yeah. of like external influences on Michael the middle child they've all got different skill levels here but you, it, they only have a certain amount of points that you can assign to different skills and they've all got <laughs> less of one and more of another in this scene in the hospital Enzo the baker turns up who was one of the people who was involved in someone asking a favour to Don Corleone at the start so we get payoff of that kind of thing which is great and Michael again this is more of the kind of character transformation he says to Enzo you need to come out and pretend you've got a gun when these guys are driving past so that we can look like we're we know what we're doing here and Enzo is fucking terrified he's shaking and he can't hold a cigarette when he's trying to light a thing but Michael is is not shaking at all he's very calm because he's been in war that's he's the been thing in war. this is easy yeah. for him like yeah. compared to to war this thing has got to be far far easier i must say though that's a pretty fucking light get off where it's like uh oh i owe a favor to the mafia what do you have to do move a bed and pretend i had a gun <laughs> oh i had to fucking smuggle 20 kilograms of heroin on my holiday like i had to kill my up? son like how does that add up like yeah. you know i forget the context of this quote but it's my favorite quote of the movie mm. what did he say you got one looking here, got one looking there, look at this, look at that, look at this, that guy going, what do you fucking want, you know? So, basically, uh, oh, and Michael gets his jaw, yeah, he gets his jaw broken, doesn't he? That's he does. Kinda, yeah, talking funny for a bit. I mean, his dad talks funny, and he gets his jaw broken, and he starts talking a bit more quietly, and uh, maybe that's a thing, I don't know. 
<laughs> I'm just tr- I'm trying to fucking film school the shit out of this and like add layers of depth to it. But I, I mean, know. this is the Godfather of film analysis. Yeah, right here you for you, Sam. So you know, there's kind of uh, basically a war is starting to break out at this point, really, isn't it, between the families? Yeah, there's like a five-family war, and the cops are obviously uh, sided at least in some part with one of the families, Tatalia. Yeah, Sonny wants to go and kill the cop essentially, and they're like, mm. "Well, you go and kill a cop in broad daylight, there might be a little bit of a." a cool down period after that for us doing crimes yeah so respectfully sonny please don't go killing cops randomly in the street but michael steps in and says i will kill them <laughs> i'll do it i'll take the dead cop to mordor and then gandalf's <laughs> like oh my god and he's like oh you'll have my axe oh but they figure out that because they've got newspaper people in their pocket they could spin this as a story yeah because he's he's a corrupt cop so they're like well he's a corrupt cop we'll take him down it'll all be good so Clemenza has to give him and you know they all basically give him the talk which is like how to kill a man in cold blood in public and don't look him in the eye but don't not look him in the eye drop the gun down walk out don't run (laughs) it's it's very very good at advice and those of you at home who are planning on killing someone in cold blood make sure that you're taking your notes you will be tested on this is the way to do it and he knows he's gonna have to go away for a while after this yeah it's kind of a holiday he won't get to see k oh doesn't seem too fussed about that no i mean no he doesn't seem like he gives two flying fucks about k jk (laughs) (laughs) a very tense italian dinner follows Um, now I'm not sure how this is one of those things where I'm like I don't really know how this all who planted the gun and how they knew that was the restaurant they were going to go to I guess they've paid some people off or some people know something that other people don't because you get the sense that the corrupt cop and Salazzo they're trying to like throw him off and they do a 180 in the street and they go to different restaurants and stuff and then they settle on one yeah, they did drive there in reverse it was all yeah. sort of power play like you know and I'm like how does someone know? But I guess everyone knows something in, in these films. I love this whole fucking formality as well, where it's like, hey, we've tried to kill your dad. Let's have dinner. Like, you know, just fucking come on. Like, you know, yeah. like so many restaurants must have been running just to give the fucking the gossamer thin basis for gangsters to meet. Like, yeah. there must have been so much <laughs> uneaten veal and gabagool in those fucking restaurants where it's like, oh, what are you ordering? Like, oh, I'm going to have a three course meal. Because, yeah, we're just definitely not going to end in murder. Of course yeah. it is. Big shooty mate. This scene is is fantastic. I really like this scene, and I can see how inspirational this was to the Sopranos. Yeah, big time. Spoiler alert: at the end of the Sopranos. In fact, a lot of the scenes in the Sopranos, even not just the end, the whole gun in the bathroom thing is cool. Yeah, yeah, with the tape on the hand as well. And it, it's like, oh, where is it? I can't find it. And then he finds it. It's extremely tense. He's obviously very nervous. And the the fucking face on Al Pacino here speaks a thousand words and those words are i'm really nervous <laughs> he's nervous and then he becomes a bit of a sourpuss this is like definitely the big change moment for mm. him like the godfather is returned back to the home he is full of hoes but on the mend mm. but the police are now cracking down because a cop has been killed and you know there's come out with the, the stories are running the papers now and there's a war and all Sonny just wants to go out and crack some skulls. Sonny, played by James Caan, wants to go out like James Caan uh, from Dragon's Den and bust some skulls. Not in the stationary, uh, <laughs> not in the stationary market, which he has dominated, but in the mafia market. Yeah. <laughs> um. 
And Vito learns that, that Michael did the killing and Michael's gone away. To and Sicily! Hey! Fate to Italy! We're now in Italy, baby! Screw you, New York! Welcome to Italy. Italy! Hollywood, Italy! It's the place where dreams happen. In Sicily, women are more dangerous than shotguns. Yeah, and that's why you got yourself a new love interest. That's why you gotta marry this shotgun. <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on, this is like... Uh, I know, right, you're going away, you're having your fucking, like, your little vacation from yourself and all that. I I, I get you, Michael Corleone, right? Mm. But you went fucking pretty hardcore here. It's like, he goes there and he's like, oh, there's a lady. Perhaps I'll wet my whistle. Perhaps I'll get fucking married. Yeah. Goes in, it goes in a bit hard. Bit! He, <laughs> he manages to get into this relationship and engagement and eventually marry um, Apollonia without, I don't think, ever saying anything to her on screen. Yeah. <laughs> I think he says one thing when he gives her a necklace. After they get married, he says, like, two things to her? They have a great chat after they got married, but beforehand, <laughs> nothing. Nothing. Yeah, plenty of time to talk when we're married. Don't don't waste it now. Don't ruin the magic. Like, <laughs> meanwhile, mm. back in New York City, Sonny is pretty pissed off because his sister's rotten husband, who's been trying to get his way into the business, he's only been beating her silly, and he is absolutely incensed, and he's gonna beat the shit out of him. And it's a classic beating. It's really great because the guy's all like laid out, like looking all cool on his stoop, and then he just beats the shit out of him. Yeah, takes his shoe off and beats with his shoe who beats a man with his own shoe <laughs> you know what i like the most about this scene what's that there's kids playing with a broken fire hydrant that's great we never known that experience where's in that this, nowadays you know? you know don't know well it was never in england sam oh uh, the, well there's probably an app for that now isn't there? yeah probably just kind a of like e- e-liquids that they'll just spray <laughs> on you like you know <laughs> <laughs> nowadays you just go and you smash up a vape store and you get covered in all the e-liquid but back in the day that was a fire hydrant that would get smashed up so uh, a little note for anyone who mm. would think about getting married in Sicily and think well you know beautiful weather lovely scenery excellent food fabulous culture lovely people you gotta get married kneeling down and that's a deal breaker for me Sam that is an absolute deal breaker mm. when I was in boarding school kneeling was the punishment that the prefects would give you if you were doing naughty things right like talking after lights out if you're caught talking after lights out depending on your prefect you'd have to go into the back corridor the fire escape corridor and kneel down on the carpeted floor and uh, if you had long trousers you have to roll them up it's basically like you're gonna have two scabs now i don't want that when i'm marrying someone no No way whereas in italy you get punished for not talking before you've got a fucking marriage (laughs) it's kind of an opposite type deal like if you talk you get to stand up if you don't talk before your wedding you gotta be kneeling down to to fantasy book my own wedding here i Mm. would quite like the idea of like getting married sat down in a very nice comfy chair like you know that would be kind of nice yeah if both the bride and groom had nice comfy armrests and everything like and all the guests have to stand up yeah (laughs) fuck that yeah and i'll be like get up stand up (laughs) rise you shit Wow, you shits. <laughs> so, back in New York, oh, the shit husband does it again. He's like, all right, this guy, he's a fucking piece of shit. He's like, yeah. oh, make me dinner. And then she makes him dinner. And he's like, I'm going out to cheat on you. What the fuck? What yeah. the actual fuck? My reaction would be exactly the same. I would break the dinner. Like, she she breaks the dinner. And God damn it, don't fucking tell someone to do that shit. Unbelievable. One great insult they have here, which I don't know what it means, was like, Vafanul. You're a Vafanul. I'm a Vafanul. We're all Vafanul. Let's be Vafanul. 
Vaphanil. I think so. A Vaphanil like sounds like an organelle inside of a bacteria or something this like that. This is another actually. one that I'm going to have to look up before <laughs> during the edit process just to make sure we're not saying Sam Chaplin bad. resigns from Cinema Swirl <laughs> after spurious <laughs> racist comments. Like. So, Sonny hears about this. And yep. So, Sonny is pissed. In my notes, I was like, Sonny's going to do some fucking killing now. But it turns out Sonny's the one getting killed. Yeah, it's it's one of those ironic moments because there's a big shoot en route to the toll booth and it's Sonny. <laughs> you know? You see what this is all about? You know? <laughs> they shoot him seven shades of sugar. Yeah. Fucking hell. Well, they shoot Sonny with Tommy guns. They don't shoot Tom with Sonny guns, which is weird, isn't it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So the Godfather, uh, because of this, he calls in the favor from Act One. He's like, "Use all your skills and all your powers, and please, un unshoot my boy. <laughs> He's got all these like bullets and shit in him. I don't want him in there no more. He's proper fucked up, mate. Can it's you got, it's this really out? gonna upset his mother if she sees all these holes and he clean his body, his good clean clothes all covered in jam. She will be very upset. So you have got to remove him." Make him look handsome. Make me want to kiss my boy on the day of my boy's funeral. Remember that we're friends now from earlier, so you can't. You have to do this. And you're an undertaker. Oh, yeah. Well, here's a fucking... I'm going to make you an offer you can't refuse. On some day, I'm going to ask you to do your fucking job. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, like... I guess he, he's used to, like... Oh, sorry, Sam. Hang on. I've got a phone call from the Godfather. What's that? You want me to talk angrily about wrestling for an hour? Okay, I'll guess. Woo, I'm off the hook for that murder I arranged. Uh, I guess it would be like if it was the most difficult wrestling to watch, you know? I do that already! I guess, yeah. So, in Sicily, it is tradition, after your wedding, to have a drive around with your newlywed wife. Uh, what is not tradition is to have a car boom. That no. Ba-bam! This is really sad. I mean, there's a part of me that thought a good alternate take would have been Michael Turner and going, well, what Kay doesn't know won't hurt her. You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> looks Jesus. like I'm off the hook. Like He is. He's totally off the hook. Like. <laughs> I, I just thought that, you know, much like with Blade Runner, we could have had a second version of this movie, a mm. director's cut for the fucking idiots like me. It would be like, have Michael going, it was at that point that I knew that my father... <laughs> You have him do the narration. Yeah, it's like, yeah. oh boy, she sure was dead. But at least it wasn't me in that car bomb. <laughs> like, <laughs> back to New York for me. <laughs> it is quite difficult because we don't really know anything about Apollonia. Nope. We know that she has tried to drive the car to impress Michael and that's got her blown up, unfortunately, because one of his mates, one of his Italian mates, has been paid off, runs away. Apollonia, my Apollonia, as we laid each arrest today, I remember all the times, like when you kneeled down when we got married. When I gave you that necklace. <laughs> I gave you that necklace and I said that line of dialogue to you. <laughs> who could forget the time that you blew up in a car? It's hard to get too emotionally invested in that kind of thing, really, unfortunately. No, but this is the benefit of a three-hour movie. You can yeah. have a little sojourn towards the end, like... Yeah. The five families have a big sit-down in New York. Mm. You lost a son. I lost a son. You lose some heroin. I lose some heroin. There's apples and oranges. And they're all right, then. It's all right. Let's all sell drugs. Whoa! Da, 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 da. Sell the drugs, but control it, it seems to be the compromise here. Yeah, it, it doesn't seem like much of a compromise. That's like. not going to go well, is it? No. Nah. I mean, let's sell the drugs, but sell it on the docks and stuff like that. Come on, Chip. 
Yeah. Feels like this is one compromise too many. Honestly, Vito seems like a really reasonable guy here. Yeah, he does. He's the calmest man in the room. He's not resorting to vengeance. He's swearing not to be the one to break the peace unless Michael gets hurt. Tells a cracking gag where he's like, I mean, next time though, why don't you give us a favour and kill Freddo? Way! Bloody Freddo. I hate him. No good Freddo. Interestingly about about Freddo, a.k.a. Fredo, is that if, if you order something Alfredo, it mm. actually translates as to be prepared in a disappointing manner. What they do is they, they take your meal and then they kind of fumble it and drop it and they don't actually get it to you in time. And then they send it to Las Vegas for some reason. Yeah. And it arranges an inappropriate party. Not 100% sure why. But hey, Mikey's back. Hey, rebound time. He's visiting Kay and it, it's been a year. So we're kind of, we're skipping forward in time a bit. He's been back a year already. Yeah, this is kind of like the episode of Futurama where time just keeps skipping forward over and over and you don't realise yeah. it and it's too late and everyone except you seems to realise what's going on. But he says that they're going to be legit in five years. And then we skip forward five years. <laughs> And they're just legit, the end. Michael just wants to keep getting married, huh? He loves it. He's got the bug now. He's got the marry bug, you know? Mm. Once you pop, you can't stop. And now that Sonny's dead, and now that Vito is old and tired... Yeah, he's more more like the grandfather now. Michael is kind of... He's become the the head of the family. Or the grot father, I think. Uh, but he used to be the garot father when he was (laughs) wrangling all those people but now he's just the garot father so basically there's some new changes now at the office you know new team leader you know the 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 new staff are in because you've got michael is now the godfather he's a Mm -hmm. a young godfather he's kind of like the millennium godfather for the, (laughs) the the new generation like you know he's like he's like the crystal pepsi godfather that's kind yeah. of like where he's at right now whereas before he's had dusty old coke godfather well he's a snapchat godfather living in a polaroid <laughs> godfather world really isn't he, ab- he? he absolutely yeah. is son that's a, a really hit the nail on the head there thank you very much tom is sent to vegas and he's no longer consigliere yeah there's been a cabinet reshuffle here basically <laughs> is what is what happened here and some of the, the more older and senior members, they kind of get put out to pasture a little yeah. bit. But yeah, Tom's not consigliere anymore. He's transport minister. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he's kind of like, because he's not a war, a war consigliere, essentially, is what they're saying. Right. But it's not all sun and roses in the new Godfather generation. Uh, much like I can say by the bell, the new class, Godfather the new class, <laughs> has got its fair share of discontenters, Clemenza bracket screech at all are complaining about the stringent new rules mm. we wouldn't sign up to this we stood up to be standing at the edge of tomorrow yep i haven't so seen I, i'm sorry sam i just i've I accidentally you know i don't think i can let that go there because what i did there was and yeah. i'm really sorry and you'll you, they'll, it's not me i'm saving you from it's them it's the they'll be out there with right, pitchforks because yeah, yeah. i just did the theme song from the saved by the bell the college years to right. necessitate the punchline of a joke for saved by the bell the new class they're different classes I, sam they're absolutely different classes should i have picked up on the th- i i'm really confused because i've not seen d- any television in my entire life are you talking about lost there are lots of checks and the, balances i know the theme song from lost the, the checks and balances. The first one, is it lost? That was Sam. And we went past that one, obviously, on Hinge. But there were several internal checks and balances on my part. And I'd like to apologize for getting that detail incorrect. That's all right. Because I just don't want Cinema Swirl to be known as a podcast where I would like make like you know a mistake or anything like that or get a bit wrong. Well, it's, ne- it's never... <laughs> 
<laughs> it's never, never it's, any mistakes made. Historically, a gaff-free podcast, <laughs> uh, Cinema Swirl. <laughs> and <laughs> long may it continue its mighty reign. But speaking of gaffs being made, we head over to the glitz and glamour of Las Vegas. Oh, it's glitzy and glamoury. And we go around Mo Green's gaff. And now Mo Green, he's a big cheese down at that Las Vegas cracker factory, I hear. <laughs> it is. So Mike, he's gone down there to buy out Mo's casino, right? Yeah, they're trying to legitimise the whole outfit now. That's the kind of the idea. You know, he's saying that they're going to try and make it legit in a few years' time. And they're going to do that by kind of starting to own the businesses mm. that they're filtering money through. It's not really making it legit when you just own the front, but it's a nice gesture. Yeah. <laughs> Freddo's there. Yeah, Freddo. And he throws a big shit party, mm. which is inappropriate. This is like, you know, when you have the new clients around and he's there with his strippers and hors d'oeuvres <laughs> and it's just not appropriate mate no when we said business casual this isn't what we meant <laughs> no either. we meant pants firmly on fredo <laughs> come on so michael wants to buy everything outright yeah. he's got johnny fontaine on board he's he's quite cold now we've jumped ahead a little bit more in time mm. as we said and you know he, he's become like less emotional more like his dear old dad yeah very pragmatic i think Oh, that's a good word. I don't fully understand what it means, but I do like to use it from time to time. Now, that's very pragmatic of you, I believe, Sam, to your <laughs> use of the word Thank there, you very I have much. to say. Like, when I think what the word pragmatic is, I just imagine kind of like like an older person doing something sensibly. Like <laughs> The Venn diagram of pragmatic and practical seems to overlap, I think. Yeah, it's old age on the left, <laughs> practical on the right, and the bit in the middle is pragmatic, like, you know oh, I must go and put £5 in my account in the post office. How very pragmatic. <laughs> You're very good to have your money in different accounts. Yeah, mm. very good. Essentially, he's kind of, he still has the same ruthless approach, but instead of like the mob going to bust your legs up and stuff, it's just, mm. no, we're just going to buy your casino and it's going to be for this price and you can't really complain about it. So they're running a business like they're in the mob, which is, I guess, kind of the mob business. Yeah, because Vito's out of the game now, pretty much. He's just kind of he's more of a consigliere now in fact he is the consigliere now isn't he yeah he is he is serving as a consigliere at this yeah. point in time i think because he's helping him uh to shift the gears a little bit to pivot the business as it were mm. and godfather if he was a mature cheddar cheese in the first act yeah at this point sam he is an extra mature cheddar cheese xxx for adults only yeah it, it comes in like a black packet oh you know? yeah and it's got like a red wax seal on it like yeah, a sovereign yeah. has has, has put their ring into it, you know? We must warn you, this is very mature. Very mature. Yeah. Like, you may want to pair it with a strong cracker, like, you know, to hold up against this mature cheddar. You think, oh, cheddar, I can handle it. Can you? Can you? Unless you've got a tart pickle by your side, you may actually <laughs> run into a little bit of trouble here. You may be reaching for the quince. <laughs> This might not be relevant or worth including. But today, when I was going around town, I saw some pet food that seemed to be marketed in the same way that, like, very intense, deliberately masculine, like, energy drinks or, like, nutrition so what, like, bars. Dog it, food for men, so men can eat dog food. <laughs> a black box with, like, a tiger on the front of it, and it was called, like, Crave, but not the cereal. Or something like that. And it was like, feed their instinct. And it was just right. fucking pet food. Like, who's that going to appeal to? No, Sam, I tell you, right? What's going to... I mean, obviously, there's a subsection of people who naturally 
curious what the, the cat or the dog food tastes like, yeah. you know? And I don't think you're going to help the whole generation of people whose job it is to give the cat the cat food or the dog the dog food and then give them a food that's called Crave. I think you're going to have an increase <laughs> in the number of people who have secretly tried cat or dog foods yeah. at some point in their younger years. As It's very very misleading packaging i think did it have a soft like meaty semi-liquid center right so it fell down at the first couple of hurdles of cat food or dog food packaging didn't have a picture of what it looked like and it didn't have a picture of a cute cat it had a scary tiger on it oh well no sam you're you're not gonna be feeding your tiger cat food it might it might be tiger food it might well be and i I mean you haven't asked enough questions here if so brilliant branding if not Okay, branding. <laughs> branding? More like brandy, because the Godfather's all old and wind up now. Which, admittedly, when I was watching this movie, that was me at that point. Yeah. You know, I, I had I had a few cobwebs on me. The constant paw you know, the, no fucking increased speed this time, folks. No, just several pause breaks to Google the plot synopsis <laughs> so I could keep up. Yeah, he's he's Marlon Brandy now. Sam, it's it was a long movie, and I never wanted this for you. <laughs> I, t- I never I never wanted this experience upon you. <laughs> now, what he does here, though, now that he's all old and he's a, yeah. he's a he's a grandfather as opposed to a godfather. Yeah, he does the orange trick with young Anthony. He does do the orange trick. I initially <sighs> thought it was a lemon when I saw it because it's quite a pale orange. <laughs> yeah, he puts an orange in his mouth and he's like. Ugh! <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's so super sour, you guys. I think that's that what is does so him sour. In. <laughs> yeah, it's the sharp rush of acidity to a yeah. that. Like uh, old people and cats, you know, a lot of lemon, you know, lemon juice of any quantity, mm. it can kill them. So be can very it really careful. Hurt cats? Oh yeah, it can. It absolutely. I never can. knew that. I knew about yeah. chocolate. I didn't know. About oh, lemon. chocolate. Yeah, God. There's a lot of things cats can't enjoy. Like yeah. you know. I tell you what, they can enjoy that sweet <laughs> taste of Crave. <laughs> I'd like to thank our new sponsors, Crave. <laughs> so he he does the lemon thing, the orange thing, the orange they trick. They CG that in these days. They won't put a proper orange in, like you know, it would just be an old CG orange, like kind of look at this, Anthony, and then it, you know, as soon as it goes in, the digitize, like you know. So Vito, he does the orange trick. He runs around. He's playing with Anthony. Falls over. He has a heart attack. Anthony finds this fucking hilarious. Yeah, and this yeah. is basically like uh, kind of a warning, I would say, to the elderly. You know, mm. know your limits. You know, because boy joy. Any sort of grandkid joy, it's it's high octane. It's a rush to several, you know, adrenal and nervous centers of the body. Know your yep. limits. He should have called it quits at the orange, all right? Cause, no, he was at horseplay and he went into tomfoolery. And the, at his age, that was just too much now. When you can see yourself reaching for citrus japes. That's when you know you need to call it a day. Put the lemon down, yeah. Granddad. It wasn't funny when you did an orange. Why would it? No, it won't be funnier because it's more citric. That's a ridiculous. You're going to die. Stop it. So now Don Corleone is dead. Whereas before we're like, oh, is he? I think he's he's definitely dead. Yeah, and you can tell that he was proper, well respected because he had massive flowers at his funeral. Like it's a very quiet funeral as well. I think there's something that's established long in mafia lore that these types of affairs are very much like the Alan Partridge networking opportunity. <laughs> like you you show up to the mob boss's funeral. <laughs> yeah. There's some handshaking. There's some envelopes. There's some taps on the shoulder. A lot of kissing. Uh, a lot of business. Being 
been transacted. A lot of business kisses on this. This is the day of my dad's funeral. You come yeah, to the I asking know, right? <laughs> I just want to enjoy my dad's funeral. Like, you know, get all caught up in the business of the moment. It's quite an interesting kind of bookend to the film that we start off with loud, fun wedding and we finish with quiet dower funeral and during the funeral michael is like is his mind is not on his dad dying he, he barely seems like like he's flinching from he's just thinking business all the Still time business he's, yeah he's looking over the people who are like he knows who are plotting and who are yeah. having some maneuvers at the wedding and, and this is one of those things that like i think Vito warns him that whoever organizes a barzini meeting is a traitor i have no idea why that means anything or what that has I to do with anything i don't Fucking no, so I like, honestly don't know. Someone who organizes this meeting is going to be a traitor, and then during the funeral, someone's like, hey, that meeting I've got to organize, what about that, eh? I've, I guess I've got to organize that meeting. So I think that guy is a traitor. Yeah, pretty much if anyone tells something, like, that something's going to happen, mm. and then it gets to the next scene, and there's other people talking about that person, it means that they were doing a bad thing. <laughs> so, like, I just, I keep the head down if I was in the mafia, you know? I just coast, you know? <laughs> But then Alan Sugar, at the end, would say that you're just trying to stay quiet, stay in the back, and hoping you can piggyback your way through this process or something like no, that. No, I, I don't think that's fair, Lord Sugar. And I think I, if I'd be given an opportunity to be PM on a hit, I think that <laughs> actually you would see that I'm a lot like you, Lord Sugar. I uh, garrote my opponents. <laughs> Not in a literal sense, obviously. I used to but... them out the back of a white van when I was a teenager. I mean, in, in me. the way that the Amstrad really garroted the home video game console <laughs> market in the UK... In the in in the eighties, I feel that I, I have a lot of those qualities. This christening scene is really weird. The soundtrack's very menacing, and also a lot of menacing stuff is going on in the kind of montage. We're cutting back and forth between a christening. So we've gone from the funeral to a christening. Yeah, and in, and of course this is your classic Christian christening, where you've got really, as you said, very dramatic music. We're yeah. Do you reject Satan and all his empty promises? I do. Do you now? Oh, because you've only organized a big hit. And I'll say one thing about this scene. You know, it, it's, it's a masterpiece in many respects. Yeah. But I do want to have a quick shout out to uh, Godfather Black Hand Edition uh, sure. one time. Because that was a really hard mission. You had to go to every single... Look at them making out that it's a big group effort. No, I had to go to every so one of those those individual assassinations? Every single one. In wow. real time. As the Christian was going on. Right. So there, And we were back in time for cornflakes. So I'm just <laughs> saying, you know... And there's maybe more to what's going on here. If you think you're a real movie buff and you're analysing the scene and you don't know there's an unseen NPC from the movie <laughs> who's going around and doing all this, then you're not a real Francis Ford Capella Juice fan, you know? <laughs> One of the things I really like about this scene, because I've realised that in other pop culture, there are scenes like this. I think there's, yeah. there's one in Breaking Bad. But in most of the other instances of scenes like this, where we have, you know, that cutting back and forth between something quite calm and something very, very deadly and brutal and violent, I I wasn't used to having just music that actually fits the emotion of that scene. I'm so used to the music being juxtapositional. Yeah, yeah. That you have like, oh, crystal blue, and that kind of stuff over like people being stabbed to death in a prison or something. So it's nice to actually have some fitting music for what? Thank you very much, The Godfather. (laughs) <laughs> biblical music for a very biblical vengeance. When they do that sort of thing, I get very confused. I'm like, well, this scene looks sad, but the music's all happy. <laughs> no, you're right, Sam, because like, when, when the music is like, 
you know, juxtaposed like mm. that, it can knock you for six, you know, mm. and go all over the place. But I would personally, you know, and I feel I'm an expert in this, having, you know, 100% on the Black Hand Edition, yeah, just yeah, saying. Sure, sure. Bit of an expert here. How's about we have this scene here, and it's like, you know, Michael looking all serious, the christening is happening, but men are maneuvering all around New York in the five boroughs. Do you reject Satan and all his empty promises? Clemenza bams in the door, and if you close your eyes, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been a very powerful scene like, it would have been know? great yeah and I know Sam you don't like to be juxtaposed no, no, but I'll, if I'll you just close your eyes <laughs> <laughs> and yes make an exception in this one case so after that christening scene the traitor guy is about to be killed we don't actually see him get killed no they just kind of put their hands on his shoulder it's like you're gonna get killed he's like ah uh, you got me All can right. you let me off the hook this one time and they're like you know nah, we can so you're like, dying oh, mate off you go uh, alright alright cheers lads alright cheers good luck alright nice one <laughs> fair play fair play and then yeah Carlo is next mm-hmm. and they're like come on your family we'll never kill you obviously and then you know they, they kill him yeah you know <laughs> Obviously, they kill him. Like everyone's getting killed now. He's he's doing all of the. He's wrapping up all the family business. Any loose ends are getting very quickly tied up here. Yeah, and then we've got a, a very pissed off sister, twisted mm. pister right here. Let me tell you, very upset that her husband has been killed. I would just say he is far and away the biggest piece of shit in this part of the movie. I mean, actually, I think he's one of the biggest pieces of shit in the movie. Your rotten husband. Why yeah. would you be annoyed? You know, come on. Yeah, I know, but she she will have conflicting feelings, but... I was the one to kill him, not you, Michael. Come on. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's it. It was like you, you took away my opportunity to have a, you know, a revenge killing. Yeah, and then she's going to be upset because, like, the predator, no sport, you know? It's not yeah, right. Yeah, like. exactly. So Michael's denying this. He's like, I didn't, I didn't kill him. What, what me? Because Kay's asking about it. Yeah, she's like, is it true, Michael? <laughs> and he's like, all right, Kay, this one time you may ask about my affairs. Is it true? No! Oh, okay. Fucking right, Scafusa. I'm just going to head out of this doorway, and uh, I presume you're going to come with me, because that would make sense. Oh, no. Oh, you, you're staying in there? Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I'll just be out here. Oh, the, oh, the door's... Okay. I've, uh, you've, you've closed me out. That's fine. And I love as well that when that's happening, he's got a group of lads going, excellent lie there. Really good job. Yeah. Like, <laughs> just absolutely like... Really good job. You are now the godfather. Roll credits, yeah. guys. Come on, put them up. That's how you know you're a godfather. It's like, well, you passed the final test. Like, you know, you, you killed several people in a coordinated yeah. manner. You made uh, attempts to legitimize your business. You avenged your father's death. And you lied the fuck out of your sister and your wife. You did a really good, excellent job. Godfather, fabulous father, more like. I'm telling you, you did more than grand. And that's it. And we're done. The door's closed and we're, we're shut out as well. The Godfather will return in The Godfather Part 2. Sam, it was a long old movie. It was. And I feel bad for you as well because not only was it a long old movie, you've had to you watch this movie and then you had to go to the Bloody dentist, oh, and know. you know pre 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 podden dentistry. I, t- I tell you, Kevin, uh, I thought this movie was going to be like pulling teeth, but actually, hey. it was uh, nice. <laughs> Well, Sam, I, I, it's funny you should say because I know we usually record at around, you know, right later on in the evening. But I thought, yeah. given given the day that was in it, that you and I would uh, we'd record at <laughs> half past two. 
<laughs> yeah. You're like I half get it. past two. No, I, I like a I, tooth. A tooth. <laughs> <laughs> it's good, isn't it? Like, you know. Oh, that's great. And you know what? Creative Commons. Everyone can use that joke that I've just <laughs> done there. You are all welcome to it, like. Half past two. Half past <laughs> two. And you really got to sell that ooze so people go, wait a minute, like it? Is, he say, is, that, is that allowed to say the tooth? Oh, sorry, no, did you say mate. tooth? Uh, no, half past two. All right, it's just because it's going to the dentist and <laughs> fun. You should mention that, yeah. So, Sam, yes. all being said, it was a long movie. You it had was. a little bit of a delay between the watching and the recording. We had yeah. to have the two-tower rule in effect here. We did. And you've had some light dentistry and had someone all around your gums. I have. How are you feeling at this moment in time? How was The Godfather for you? I'm feeling great. I, You know what? I I really love that movie. I thought really? it was fantastic. Yeah. I thought it was fantastic. I, it lived up to all the hype. Wow. Is that like just because like, you know, as we said before, and you know, anytime we've, we've touched mobster stuff, yeah. a big Sopranos fan. So was that yeah. just kind of like, hey, I love this world? Or was it more than just mafia fun? There's been this long-standing thing that I don't like long movies, right? Yes. But I think this film has made the best use of its length, right? <laughs> Which sounds weird. Um, but... It almost has a kind of episodic television kind of vibe to it, which is what I'm used to with things like The Sopranos and your kind of prestige TV, your Breaking Bads, your Gameses of Throneses. You, you watched this in one sitting then, like, so you didn't... No, I didn't break it up into, like, episodes, but... All right, so you binged it then. <laughs> I, <laughs> I binged it. the whole season of The Godfather. The whole, whole thing. The, the fact that you have characters pop in and then come back in later was great. You have this slow burn progression of Michael's character from very meek, very quiet, to quite cold and ruthless as a mafia leader. And I think the length of the film really affords that process to not seem rushed and seem natural and seem kind of incremental. Right, so I have to ask you one question about it, though. And this is honestly, I think, one of the things that stood in in the way of me loving this movie in the past. I get lost. It's like, it is so many fucking scenes where it's like lads chatting about lads. It's like, you know, a friend of mine described it as like three hours of lads sitting around a table chatting. And honestly, I do feel lost at it sometimes. Did you feel lost? And it's okay for you not, I mean, I don't want to say this because I'm trying to make myself feel better (laughs) (laughs) of getting very lost. I think it's one of those things where, like, and I've had this with a few films before, if you if you try and keep up with who everyone is and what everyone's doing and why everyone's doing what, it can get very bogged down and complicated. But if you kind of zoom out a bit and look at the bigger picture, you can still enjoy this on a very simple story level. It's not that complicated of a story if you look at it from a kind of zoomed out perspective. Would you want to watch it again to get more of an idea of what was going on in more detail then? I don't know. Because I, th- I, under- I think I understood most of it, but there were some little details here and there where I was like, oh, why, why are they doing that to that guy? What's this guy done? Who's that guy? You know, that kind of thing. But I don't, I think that's all sort of not superfluous, but not necessary to understanding what the film is and what it's about. I'm very curious to see part two. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, if you enjoyed, I prefer part two to this. And, okay. Uh, I, I know a lot of folks feel similarly, and you've got uh, some fucking fabulous performances in that. I know The Godfather is The Godfather of The Godfather series, but some people have said that The Godfather Part 2 is The Godfather of The Godfather series, so... I mean, I would say Godfather Part 2 is like The Empire Strikes Back of the series, in that it is The Godfather of the series. Right. So it, therefore, <laughs> therefore, it's a good time. Like, yeah, I, I mean, I'd, I'd be definitely to check that out. Right, you know what? We we have instigated in this that we are allowing half measures now. And yeah, sure. 
as as such that you see you're glowing about this movie. Yeah. Is there anything you didn't enjoy about it? I honestly can't think of anything I didn't enjoy about it. I did think like there's no real strong female characters, but I think that's Oh, you're to, not yeah, gonna get that no, there. Yeah. It's just that's almost a product of what the film is about, I guess. I mean, I would, I would like, maybe at one point it said like, oh, well, that's kind of like, because it's a movie about that world, and that world is very yeah. exclusionary to women and whatnot, therefore, it's all fine. But I think as The Sopranos has kind of shown, is that the stories of the women can often be very interesting, if not more very interesting. Very interesting, if not more interesting, and incredibly pivotal, but they had not thought of that. The women in this are, are there as like props and tools yeah. to, to scream at the men who are going about their business. And so, yeah, you're not getting any of that in this movie like Don Corleone's wife is in this but you wouldn't know like <laughs> you can she you can talk to her in the kitchen in the the Corleone compounds yeah in black hand edition just so yeah and it, w- it would be interesting to get some of those perspectives but at the same time I understand why those aren't in there and I don't think it is a detriment to the film on on a whole really so in closing then in closing gushing and glowing as you are about this I film I really loved it I thought it was great. I understand the hype. I didn't mind how long it was. There is that's a, is that legitimately your first? That it's been long and I haven't been bothered by it. Yeah, probably. At, like at all. Like actually, to the point where you said the length was actually a good thing. You yeah, said. I I feel that it's totally justified. With all the other instances, I thought you could probably cut you know half an hour, maybe even longer out of this, and it would still be the same. Whereas with this, I think you need it to be nearly three hours long. For it to work. I'm really glad that you've managed to see some some actual Pacino. Because yeah. like the fact that you had only seen Jack and Jill was really upsetting for a oh, lot yeah, of people. Like, as my first exposure to Marlon Brando, this was great. As my second exposure to Al Pacino, <laughs> this was great. I feel like we should watch a terrible Brando movie now where he's like in a real exploitative role like in a Jack and Jill to Have uh, you done balance some shit films, Brando? I'm sure there's muck there in there. There must be a stinker in there. Yeah. There's absolutely like... Yeah, it's inescapable for any actor. Well, Sam. Yes. What is your star wipe rating for The Godfather? Now, if I was going to do half measures, I'd pop, you know, half a gabagool in there. But unfortunately, I can't do that because I'm going to give this five star wipes. Whoa, five star wipes. Back to back. You heard it here first. Hey. Oh, me again. Thank you for listening to this episode of Cinema Swell. Just to remind you, we're on Patreon now over at patreon.com forward slash cinema swell. That's patreon.com forward slash cinema swell. If you become a $5 backer, you'll get access to our new show, Cinema Swill, where we look at some really crap movies, plus some other exclusive fun bonuses for you. This episode was produced by Kevin, edited by me, Sam, and the music was also by me. If you want to check us out over on Facebook, you can join us on facebook.com forward slash cinema swill, or on Twitter, that's at cinema swill. If you've got questions, queries, comments, or you're my dad and you just want to get in touch, send an email to cinemaswirl at gmail.com. That's cinemaswirl at gmail.com. If you haven't already, please do subscribe on whichever podcast thing you use. If you enjoyed the show, please do recommend it to a friend, and thank you so much to everyone who's done that already. It is really greatly appreciated. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye.